1: The opinion line on Cork's
2: 96 FM,
3: and a very, very good morning to you. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ Coogan. It's Thursday. The sun is shining, absolutely gorgeous morning here in Cork, and I hope it's likewise wherever you are. And let's hope it's going to stay that way as well for the Easter Bank Holiday weekend. Sun is shining, absolutely gorgeous. That's really putting a spring in your step. Sixth of April it's almost Christmas. Anyway, very, very quickly before we start, I just want to say good morning to Jur Ivers. He's retiring from Cork City Fire Brigade today after 26 years working with the men and women at Amber Watch. That's Jur Ivers, hanging up his hose after 26 years. Gooraf mila Mahagut, to you on behalf of everybody in the department and I suppose thank you to you as well from everybody here in Cork because you and your colleagues have been keeping us safe for years and years very best of luck going forward now you know how to contact us we'd love to hear from you between now and midday um last week i was walking through balencolic and i saw a group of teens uh, each and every one of them unfortunately looking at their phone but uh, that's the way life has uh, developed and one of them turned to me and said hey you want to put this on the news so i had a look at the video and I can honestly say I was shocked. I've seen a lot of things, um, but this was absolutely horrific. You had two teenagers, they couldn't have been any more than, what, 14 or 15 years of age, kicking the lard out of one another. Kick, 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 punch, punch, punch. And... All the while, this was being videoed by some of their friends and also members of the gangs who were there were jeering their respective buddies on. It was absolutely frightening. I, I, I mean, at the end of it, even at one stage, one of the guys who was coming out the worst, um w- you know, he was down on the ground. He was being kicked, he was being punched and he was being kicked in the head over and over. And I thought to myself, what is going to happen here? At the end of it, the guy who lost the the fight, as it were, was sitting on his backside with his head in his hands. And I thought, I hope to God for some reason that he goes home and he tells his parents or somebody in the family what happened because uh, people might think I'm uh, over-exaggerating. What is to say that this guy you know didn't suffer something so severe that he'd uh, get a bleed on the brain later that night and die in his sleep and that is a possibility because you know we we think back just the other day the uh, jailing of Christopher O'Sullivan uh, who kicked uh, Timmy Horahan to death at the Mardike in 2019 you know a, a simple kick a simple punch can do so much damage and I think Dr John Sheehan you're in the Blackpool, Blackpool Bridge surgery John am I exaggerating when when I say so much damage can be done from a kick or a punch because we often hear that the the brain is like a sponge good morning John
4: Good morning, Paul. No, unfortunately, you're absolutely correct, Paul. Um, One punch or one kick sometimes can be enough to change someone's life, either to kill them or to cause permanent brain damage and in the uk paul they've they've collected some statistics on this and the estimate over the last 15 years approximately 100 people have died from just one punch um, on a street ball or a fight or something like that and the difficulty is as you rightly said is the brain is like a sponge it, uh, we might think it's very well protected by our skull but when it gets trauma through a kick or when someone falls and hits their head off the footpath or the, or the road after being punched, the damage that that can cause can be, can, can be life-changing. And sometimes people don't realize, one, the extent of damage that it causes, but two, they may go home, as you said, they may think they're fine and then the, they can bleed and that, ble- that blood can accumulate and cause damage. So they sometimes might think they're fine, and then 12 hours later, they're in a coma. And, you know, the the brain takes a long, long time to heal when it's been damaged um, for, 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 for any reasons. It takes months. And, you know, we all know people who unfortunately have suffered head injuries. You know, it's a long, long journey. It's months and years. It's not days and weeks, you know. So um, I think the nature of youth, Paul, is everyone thinks that you're invincible to mm-hmm. everything. Um, and, you know, that they're, they're fine and that they, they can take it and they're, they're, they're tough and all of that sort of stuff. But the brain is vulnerable and particularly a young brain is even more vulnerable because it's, it's, it's growing and it's, it's developing. So that development can be significantly affected by this.
3: So, John, a, a punch or a kick, I mean, even just tapping the side of my uh, temple here, I can feel that. So that is what, a thousand times over, 10,000 times over every time somebody gets a, a, a hard slap or a kick?
4: Uh, absolutely, and, and the difficulty is it can be twofold. So you, 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 someone can get the hit or the slap onto their head, which can cause damage. Well very often then. That can put them down without warning, and they hit the ground, and then they get severe trauma there as well. So that's why this phenomenon of one punch concussion or one punch de- death, unfortunately, has, has come up where people are often fighting after alcohol <clears> or on the street. They someone gets a big, you know, one hit, they go straight down, they hit their head off the off the off the road, and they get secondary uh, trauma there. So they're getting two sort of traumas to the brain uh, when they're not expecting it, and that can cause life changing consequences or even death unfortunately. John, and we sometimes can, just don't think of it.
3: Can I ask you John, I mean, I, I, I honestly I think these guys were just wired, there wasn't any drink or drugs involved, but Years ago, we'll say for argument's sake, if a guy was having an argument, they might give each other a slap and a kick in the backside. But things have become so, so aggressive. And why is that? Why are teens kicking one another in the head and stamping on each other? Why has it changed so dramatically?
4: I honestly don't know, Paul, but I suspect one of the factors is, as you said there, is this social media, in that if something has been filmed, people are more conscious that this is going to be replayed and again and again, so if you lose it's going to be sort of highlighted again and again and again. When if years ago, if fellas were fighting in the backyard or something and it happened, that was it. And it was, he said, she said, you know, said, and you, you know, but the story wasn't relayed and shared and sort of shamed and things like that. So, I think sometimes when you're younger, you might feel the consequences of losing are more dramatic because Mm -hmm. everyone's going to know about it. And, you know, so therefore you have to go in more aggressively to show that you're you're, you're not losing.
3: John, uh, look, we know it's going to continue happening, but teens, adults, everyone, they must pay heed. Do not hit someone.
4: Absolutely, and also I think the friends as well have a, a mm-hmm. responsibility here. I mean, we, you know, um, if, if everyone's standing around filming someone getting their, their their face kicked in, that's not good. That's not good for all of us. And um, so I think, you know, in terms of talking and the schools and education and sort of parents, all of us have a role to sort of play to say to call out behavior that we feel is unacceptable in all forms of society so this sort of image of two people battering each other unfortunately paul with everyone with cameras all around that's not a great reflection on all of us as a society and we need to be able to have that courage and build confidence in people to say that this isn't done enough is enough you need to stop now and uh, you know and get that message across
3: John before we leave you can I ask you um, you're in the you're quoted in today's echo talking about the lack of GPS lots of them retiring some of there's others due to retire you feel there's going to be a shortage of GPS before we know it
4: oh there absolutely is unfortunately and that shortage is here paul and particularly in the rural areas but in the cities as well a third of gps now are over 60 so that's a huge number and our we now have the highest life expectancy in the eu and so the demand for 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 gps and, and and for community services is much higher that's brilliant and that's really really great and we're doing an awful lot more in, in, in general practice but that increases the demand so um, I think there's going to be a huge shortage now I teach on the GP training scheme here in Cork and our numbers we used to have 12 we're up to 24 training now so the numbers are increasing but there is going to be a, a significant shortage over the next few years there's just no doubt about it
3: How many doctors do we need in Cork to cope with the demand because we, we hear like it's like you. sometimes people joke that you might have a better chance of winning the lotter than getting an appointment to see your gp
4: hmm. you you are you, probably right and particularly in the rural areas like towns like macroom and things like that are really really um, um struggling because like all practices you are you, fairly full and then you know you, you you might try to accommodate a few other people but then once you're at that stage it, it's not practical to take on um you know more and more patients so you know we certainly need <clears> to you know we're training 24 a year here in the cork scheme that number is 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 probably not going to meet the demand in terms of retiring you know so there's probably going to be a need and we're beginning to see doctors you know coming from spain and from other countries who are who are are joining practices now and 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 that's great but that's probably going to continue over the next few years paul to meet that that shortfall
3: what's the bottom line if we don't get enough gps i mean we have south doc it's, it's bursting it's like a pressure valve really isn't it
4: Okay. It really is. And and, and really the reason it's a pressure valve is due to the fact that people just can't get in to see their mm-hmm. own GP during the day. Or they may not have a GP. In, in lots of towns like Middleton and McCroom, there's a significant population who just don't have a GP. So South Dock is acting as that pressure valve. But unfortunately, that's that's not going to be sustainable, particularly in the smaller areas where the number of GPs are retiring. And some of the smaller cells in South Dock, if you want, are going to probably have to merge because the, just the numbers of doctors there to manage just aren't there so it is going to be a challenge over the next okay. few years there are a, a few solutions coming down the track I, I welcome the fact that there's going to be a whole review of how we uh, how we do things because i think i think that's a good thing nationally um and and these problems are solvable paul that's the way the message i'd like to get across mm-hmm. we're living longer that's great and these problems are solvable but it, 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 it's going to take a fair bit of work to solve them
3: all right dr john sheehan blackpool bridge surgery thank you very much indeed for joining us good morning john well, now. now uh back to the subject of the attacks on teens there recently in Colleague. um bobby lynch good morning good morning paul how are you i'm good bobby as a taxi driver in town both day and night and i suppose in particular at the weekends you see it firsthand the number of people who are uh, getting kicked around from pillar to post at the weekend
5: yeah, Paul, we, we, we've seen awful lot of it going on, you know, but the Lake and Farsene you're highlighting it there and I'm talking about it, Dr. Shane is talking about it, but the powers that be they're not listening to no one. They are the crowd that you should have on the on the radio pal, discussing this. Who's that? And the, the 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 politicians that we've run running this city, especially our three ministers, Covney, Mihaly and McGrath, they, they, why don't they come on the radio and tell us what they're going to do about what's happening to this city?
3: Well, they, they, will, they, will, they will tell us that there are more and more guards going into Temple and they're coming out and but they're being trained? They'll
5: only tell us what we want to hear. They won't tell us the truth. Well,
3: they they'll will know, tell us what they, we they, want to hear and they'll tell us what they want to say. <laughs> exactly, but <laughs> it's, it's the same thing really.
5: But they, they see well, well, they, they're they're blaming the girls. They're blaming GPs 'cause they are blaming because they can not get an the appointment. They're they're blaming that they can't get a taxi home. Which is more important part, get getting a taxi home. I'm trying to get an appointment with your GP. You know what I mean? No. Saturday night there's just thousands of people are released onto the streets. Right? No, they're on the boat. they can't get a taxi. The city council took away took away the taxi ranks, and the most important rank was the one above Washington Street. They took that away. How do you expect us to shift all the people? But we do a good job. Come two o'clock in the morning when there's thousands out in the streets, well, I'm sitting around around four o'clock, twiddling our thumbs. But right after doing uh, two hours' walk, they're shifting a
3: mile. All right, what, boy, what, the... let's talk about what you're witnessing in in between that. You said you it's... you see you do see people being assaulted.
5: You do, pa. You do. You know, we we drive up the street and we see people fighting. Right? No. And what do you do? Do talk? you do
3: anything to try and intervene?
5: Pa, you can't do nothing today, boy, because you're you're around you. It's too dangerous for anyone to do anything. Our own guards are out in the street. You might see two or three of them. What can two or three girls do when they see a group mm-hmm. of fellas fighting? They can do nothing. Because the girls have no backup either, Paul.
3: It's a clear? We'll say, for argument's sake, you're, you're a long time on the, on the road, Bobby. Uh, tone and society, has it changed much in the last ten years?
5: It has, Paul. It has. And, and, and no, you might get taxi drivers all coming on down the minute saying, oh, do, I, we don't see none of that. It is out there. It is out there, and Paul, our own politicians should be out there looking at it and seeing what they can do, rather than come out, talk about something that they're not going to fix. Would you,
3: would you take me, Hall Martin, Michael McGrath, Simon Coveney, in your cab any Friday, Saturday, Sunday night around town for a couple of hours? Would you be willing to do that,
5: Paul? The taxi council, you know, I'm the chairperson. We can't get a meeting with any of them. I have a request, it means me, me there, mike Michael I said, no, they got back saying that they get back to us about it. Go me and man, the minute he got in, he never met with us. He, did, he not interested. I delivered a letter to his office the day of the protest. You saw yourself. He never even picked up the phone and got on us. They don't, they don't care, care about the city. And did Simon, did, Simon, the co- did
3: Simon Coveney respond or did you make contact no, with Simon?
5: None of them. The only one that responded to me that time was Michael McGrath and he made us uh, over the laptop, a few of us.
3: A Zoom, no. you mean, is it? over a zoom, a zo- po- a
5: zoom, yeah, okay. a Zoom. No, there was, there was people over the NTA uh, actually watching that as well. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to talk to the NTA. Yeah. I want to talk to
3: the minister. All right. but Okay, I know you want to talk to him about, you know, taxi ranks and everything, but do you think Micheál Martin, Michael LeGrand, Simon Coveney can help to alleviate the number of people, the number of assaults in, in Cork? Of
5: course they can. In a nutshell, they're, 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 In a nutshell, how? They're running the country. They want The, the guards are out there, and in, in very small numbers, like the guards are getting paid peanuts, so, so is there, the lads in the Irish Army getting paid peanuts? I know, and and they, they expect them young fellas to go out the street at night, two or three young girls, to keep the city safe. Are uh, they uh, 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 mad? All People right. today have a lot respect for Norman Pyle. And, like, I, I will take McGregor and Mihail and Corbany around and other taxi drivers will do it as well, just to see see what happens. Because, like, it's a disgrace. And the more, like, it's kind that you're highlighting it, and i am talking about it, but... The, 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 Michal will do nothing he's he's probably sitting down smoking that's all he does he smirks he does nothing
3: else alright ok look we <laughs> uh, look. I, I know they will probably get wind of this conversation so the invitation is there to Hall Martin Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney to travel with Bobby all Lynch and a, some a, some of his colleagues any night of the weekend
5: Paul one of our own drivers got badly beaten there as you know a few years ago you did a story on it and the, 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 the invitation went out to I think Pascal had done it at the time to come down and talk to the man's family and he, he never even picked up the phone or anything. That's what they care about people. They don't care nothing, they only care about themselves.
3: Taxi Lynch, all right, taxi driver Bobby Lynch, <laughs> thanks for talking to us and stay safe on the roads. After the break, Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Deirdre Ford. And uh, this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Now, just after 10 o'clock this morning, you will see our Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre Ford, along with the President of the CBA, Kevin Hurley and a number of officials on a walkabout in Cork. The Lord Mayor and uh, the party will be talking to traders who were recent Cork Business Association award winners. And just as well as congratulating them, I'm sure the Lord Mayor will also be taking on board some of their con- Concerns. Lord Mayor, good morning.
6: Good morning, Paul. How are you?
3: Lord Mayor, can I ask you, when you're on your walk about this morning through Patrick Street, maybe up and down Oliver Plunkett Street or some of the side streets, what do you expect to see?
6: Well, first of all, let me say that I'm absolutely delighted. To have the opportunity to do the walkabout. I mean, there's no substitute for eyeballing business owners and discussing their challenges and their opportunities. What I expect t- to see is that, you know, we will share the concerns that they may have. And also, I want to be able to tell them all that Cork City Council are doing to try and revitalise Cork City Centre. Because the best way that we can support these established businesses, uh, very often they're there for many, many years and have contributed so much to our city. Um, Business is 24-7 as we all know um, and we really want to support them. Um, I expect that they will give me samples of their offerings. They will tell me how things are going for them and as I said, I will be able to tell them all the investment opportunities that we have coming up. For instance, we have 55 million uh, already for the Victorian, uh, quarter, McGurton Street. Mm -hmm. We have 100k from the NTA to prepare a design for Princess Cook and Marlborough Street uh, for the next year for maintenance regeneration and of course we'd be consulting with all the business owners uh, for that. Okay, Um, Lord Mayor, can
3: I ask you 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 said you were going to address their concerns. Um, Mm. Who was responsible, we'll say, for pedestrianising the streets, banning cars from coming into Patrick Street and basically making Cork City somewhat um, a no-go area because you, you just can't get a parking space. I know there's going to talk about multi-storey car parks. But look, all of these streets, I mean, they're pedestrianised. I've been speaking to traders who said trade has been decimated in the last number of years.
6: Well it's a funny thing now the stats don't show that in fact I was talking to the Chief Executive recently and she mentioned that the statistics show the businesses are delighted that business has picked up uh, especially on Friday, Saturday and Sunday but of course I want the business owners to tell me this, there are also challenges to make the city more pedestrianised which shows that it works in many of the European cities and to Take cars out of the city centre. Well, Cork, 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 Lord,
3: Lord Mayor Cork is really a basically it's, it's a big village. We're we're not one of these big European cities. At the end of the day.
6: Yes, but we scale it back, of course, to suit what we need. Um, obviously, it's in conjunction and consultation with businesses. And there are challenges. I accept that, Paul. I mean, uh, you know, many people still need their cars and we have to listen to them as well. But ultimately, it's both from a climate action perspective and a health perspective to create city centre that's Pollution free as possible and as friendly for families. For instance, the Crawford Art Gallery with the OPW has recently been approved for a huge extension and hopefully we'll get the extra 5 million to uh, develop in place. Fall to Ireland has given us 600,000 plus for five different art installations around the city oh, centre. Lord Mayor, that will aggravate
3: oh. people, honestly. Works of art for 600,000 euro. Honestly, could well, you put it into re, re- redeveloping some of the vacant units.
6: Uh, the vacant units, we are actually have increased our intention and liaison with the owners of the vacant units. Remember, these a lot of these units are privately owned. We're trying to get them to um, work harder to develop them and to come to the table. And you know, there's a levy on those that are, are neglected. Um, and, and that is some way going to help to encourage these private owners, you know, to begin development. And of course, the as well, Paul, there have been many planning applications for uh, large commercial units in the city centre. These things take time to develop. Some people might object to them and Mm -hmm. that takes, you know, that will take its own course. We do have to abide by the law.
3: Lord Mayor, are we ever going to get a second park and ride? Maybe even a third and fourth one? Because um, in fairness I must say, I think the Black Ash park and ride is super. But if you want people to, um, you know, leave the cars at home, you must put facilities in place, and we need extra park and rides. When are we going to get a second one? Or is it going to happen?
6: Well, we're looking at that at the we'll moment. We've be been looking Jane, at it for the fact, last somebody. How God, how many years, Lord? Oh, sorry, Paul, I meant. Um, actually, you know, when I was discussing uh, that as well with the officials, that was called on, uh, for instance, by Brittany Ferry's management, they're bringing visitors many many more visitors this year than any other year into Cork City and they mentioned they want these people to stay in Cork City and they need a park and ride as well as we locals do. So it is on our agenda Mm -hmm. I agree with you but you know Paul there are many other modes of transport as well and we're trying to encourage people to have a modal shift it won't suit everybody but we must try and you know come up with solutions that are consultative and are fair.
3: And what are the other modes that you're, you're proposing?
6: Well, obviously there's cycling. Obviously, um, uh, there is scooters I know that Paris has stopped those now in their city centre. It remains to see what the government produce and uh, the regulations in relation to those. And, you know, we want to encourage people to walk as well. Mm-hmm. What happened years ago? Uh, people were walking everywhere and everyone was much healthier. Now, I'm trying to do it myself and it's not easy, I can tell you. But, you know, the UCC Business School is coming into the city centre. Recently, we opened Elizabeth Fort and we had an outdoor performance centre. All these things will encourage people to come in and use the nighttime economy, which we have developed in conjunction with the businesses. You'll know Claire Nash there in Oliver Plunkett Street and all those other businesses. That is a big success. Lord so Mayor, it's kind of sorry, I beg your pardon, go on. I said it, it is It is a sort of two steps forward and then consult and then see where that goes. It has worked very, very well with the Victorian quarter um, residents and businesses in McCartan Street. Mm-hmm. We have every step of the way consulted with them and they have put up with a lot of um upheaval, but when it's finished that will be so dynamic. We want the same for the city centre, for Oliver Plunkett Street, for the new uh, Bishop Lucy Park development that's going to be started late in the summer. So there's huge news for Cork City. It'll be unrecognisable. And can I say finally, Paul, that Cork uh, convention Centre We, I think that we'll see movement in that later this year it has to happen, it will be a tremendous asset to all the businesses in Cork City Centre the government has committed 57 million, though costs have increased and there are challenges it has to go ahead and will be absolutely amazing for the city and can I say one thing again Cork Docklands over the last five years has attracted 500 million from the private sector Victor investment in offices and uh, we hope to have accommodation for 5,000 employees. That will be all cumulative and the city centre will be transformed and I take your message for many more parks and rides and I look forward to the business I'll be meeting today. They are the shining light of our city and I will take seriously what they say to me.
3: Lord Mayor, Councillor Deirdre Ford, I look forward to travelling on the bus on the second park and ride when it's in, in place. We'll we'll travel to town together. Thank you very much indeed, Lord. We Mayor. We will
6: indeed, Paul. And Thank enjoy you. your
3: walk around the city and thankfully the weather is on your side. We put the infant to Prague out last night especially for you, that the sun <laughs> would shine today.
6: I wouldn't doubt you, Paul.
3: <laughs> Good morning, Lord Mayor. Thank God you bless. very much indeed. Bye bye. Kevin Hurleyhee, your president of the Cork Business Association. You've been listening to the Lord Mayor there. Um are you on the one hymn sheet? Good morning, Kevin.
7: Hi, Paul. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Um, Yeah, I'd absolutely reiterate what uh, Councillor Deirdre Ford, our Mayor, said there. Um, uh, You know, there's a lot happening in the city. It's a very, very positive thing. I would say every city in Ireland and every city in the world is not without its challenges as regards, you know, business, security, all of those kind of things. But look, we're trying to drive on with the things as best we can, and what a beautiful morning we have here this morning in Cork, and I'm really looking forward to going around meeting the business uh, winners this morning with the Lord Mayor.
3: Kevin, in your time as president, are you into the second term now? I am indeed, yeah. What, have you, done? what have you done? To, what achievements have you made on behalf of your traders in your time? What have you done? What have, you succeed, have you What have you been successful at?
7: Well, I I I wouldn't call it successful, Paul, because it's it's a very very difficult position that I uh, that being the president of CBA is. The biggest challenge um, for us is just trying to get the the business people in the city to engage with us. We want to know their concerns. We want to know what we can do for them. And I've been speaking to many businesses over the last year, and I've got to know an awful lot of people in the city, and I'm hearing the concerns uh about what's going on. A big thing for me, and I'm this is somebody that owns three central stores right in the city centre, is the security issues in the city, mm-hmm. particularly during the day. And that is a massive thing for me. And we're liaising with the Gardaí, to be fair to them. They're trying their best as well. We need more guardy on the streets in Cork City. And Chief Superintendent uh, Tom Myers is very aware of that. And he's come out himself in, in support of what we're doing. And we've written to Drew Harris, we've written to... Minister Simon Harris, we've written to all the councillors, and that's a really big thing for me. Okay,
3: and what are some of the other concerns on uh, g- uh, bothering traders? Um, well,
7: obviously, people—you know—people are still talking uh, about parking. It, you know, um, we ha- we have met a couple of traders who have expressed concerns of that, and yes, it certainly is there, particularly um, business people that you know would be selling bulky goods. Um, electrical goods and other things like that and um, you know they need they need cars to have access to the city and I'm, I'm not saying that this city is perfect in relation to pedestrianisation and the Patrick Street caravan and all of that kind of stuff but we are moving forward more towards a car free environment and that is something that people are going to have to take into consideration the bus connects um, thing is another thing that it, 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 it's a big concern to a, to a lot of people and you know they have come back with a revised plan now so hopefully Okay uh, they've
3: come back with a revised plan but we'll say for Agnes sake between now and when the Bus Connects project is up and running okay uh, I, I I would put my hat on it that businesses will go to the wall because trading conditions are not the best in the city centre at the moment I've been speaking to traders they say they're crippled because of the the amount of uh, money they're spending on rates and at times they tell me they're afraid to voice their concerns because Cork City Hall will come banging on their door don't you be giving out about us on the radio you owe us X amount we want the bills, we want our rates I mean some traders down there are afraid of what City Hall will do to them if they if they become too vocal? I haven't heard that, Paul. I'm going well, to be I can tell you, you're, you're not there. talking to the same people as I am, so, okay, and you're the president okay. of the CBA. Why, why? Yeah. I, well, I, I'm telling you straight out, I haven't heard that from anybody.
7: I think it, I think it's a free <coughs> democracy, it's a free world, and if people want to uh, uh, speak their mind about you know their their objections to Bus Connects or the Patrick Street ban or whatever it is, they're perfectly entitled to do so, and I would absolutely back the council 100% in that they're... They've got an agenda, they're, they're, they, they are trying their best to implement these changes and I, I ha- look, I'm, I'm going to be straight out with you, I haven't heard anybody that's afraid and if, if there's anybody listening this morning that is afraid and wants me to represent them towards the council, I'd be more than happy but to But Kevin, honestly,
3: all. do you think the, the, the council is going to listen to the CBA? Someone described it as a powerless and toothless organisation.
7: Okay, I didn't actually come on out to be insulted, I'm not insulting you,
3: but you have to live in the real world, Kevin. Um, Well, Paul, my my role
7: as president of the CVA is a voluntary role. We're a voluntary organisation. We're trying to represent the business people of the city and try to do better at the city. Of course you're going to have the naysayers that that are saying we're toothless and spineless or whatever you want to call it. And that's fine. I made made a, a tough skin. I've got 300 staff working for me and every day is a challenge. So, you know, if people want to say things like that, that's fine. But, you know, I'm always accentuating the positive. I'm looking at the positive, Paul. Today is a lovely day. We're, go- we're going to be very positive, going around the city, meeting traders, listening to their concerns, absolutely, and congratulating the business winners in the Cork Business Association Award.
3: And tell me, who were some of the award winners, Kevin? Um, so, the, the award winners are ERA, Donnie McCarthy, who, who are the... Um,
7: estate agents on the South Mall. We're uh, we're heading into the English market then to meet Margo in the Rowdy rowdy Foodie and uh, Tim Mulcahy at the Chicken Inn. We're um, going up to um, Soma Coffee then on Tucky Street, who are are also winners, and then we're heading over to Leaders on North Main Street, uh, Leaders Menswear, which is a fabulous uh, business who who also uh, won the award uh, in February.
3: And will you be calling to some people who didn't win awards? Uh, probably, yeah. I'm sure if we'll, we, we'll be passing their door if they want to come out and say hello to us or throw eggs will you not call work. into, Will you not call into them?
7: Well, Paul, come on now. I've got three three hours to do this and there's four or five hundred business in the city. Come on now. <laughs> we'll do our best, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll be passing the door, is what I'm saying. I'm, certainly, the Lord Mayor is a very social person. Yeah. I've no doubt I'll follow her. If she's, if she's walking in to say hello to
3: people, no problem. Okay, so you're starting the walkabout just after 10. Where will you be starting, Kevin?
7: Uh, we are starting, um, we're meeting at the Cork Association offices on the mall and we're heading up to your RA downey McCarthy at the top of the mall then at that stage.
3: Alright, so um, yeah. look if honestly, if people have concerns, come and meet you, you, you will listen to them, you'll take their concerns on board.
7: Absolutely, Paul. As I said, this is uh, my role as president of CBA, it's a voluntary role. I took it on. I'm the kind of person that if I take something on, I try and do it to the best of my ability. That's what I've done so far. It's definitely not an easy job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm my, my door is open, my phone is on at all times. If people want to voice their concerns, come and talk to me. And that's what I've been doing. I've met with... Countless businesses over the last year, and um, to, to listen to their concerns and fed them back into the Garvey and back into Cork City Council, and you know. Rome wasn't built today. A lot of things don't get done. No. Things are often put in the back boiler. But look, try my best. That's all I can
3: do. Kevin, thanks a million for talking to And I didn't bring yes. you on to insult you. I didn't mean it, but I'm just um, passing on some comments from people who I, I okay. have genuinely met over the time. And, uh, you know, this is what they're saying. Look, you're, you're a businessman. You're uh, thick skinned. I'm sure you can take it. And uh, listen, enjoy your walkabout in Cork in our wonderful, wonderful city. Kevin Hurley, okay. president of the CBA. Thanks for talking to us. This is Cork's 96 FM. Thursday morning, the opinion Line with Paul Byrne and Snow Patrol Chasing Cars. Now, before that, we were talking to Kevin Harlehy, President of the CBA, Cork Business Association, as well as the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Deirdre Ford. Both of them and uh, some officials will be on a tour of the city, meeting with some of the traders uh, a little later on this morning. And um, the conversation with the Lord Mayor prompted this voice note from Orla.
8: Hi Paul, I'm listening to you on with Deirdre Ford and I would like to ask her to walk from City Hall down to the South Infirmary Hospital and think of wheelchair users. I have been on to Cork City Council, I don't know how many times, about the footpath going towards the hospital. I have to walk out on the road with my child who is a wheelchair user to get to an appointment if I can't get parking anywhere near the South Infirmary. If I have to park by the Garda station or City Hall or anywhere along there, I have to go on the road at one point, ask her to walk there.
3: Thanks. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ on this uh, Thursday morning. Now just in relation to some of the topics we discussed earlier, we were talking about the video that's circulating following uh, a fight involving a couple of lads in Ballincollig. Kate was on said, are we such a sick society that no one called the guards or an ambulance during that fight? I'm sorry, I couldn't live with myself if I saw that and found out afterwards that someone's son or someone's brother had brain damage or worse after it, says Kate. Brian says the spare tackle seems to be in a lot of fun and videos on social media at the moment. Paralysis and possibly death can arise out of that one. It needs to be addressed. Now, a spare tackle is an illegal rugby tackle where a player lifts another player into the air and then drops them so that they land on their back, head, or neck. Uh, A question here for the Lord Mayor. Ask the Lord Mayor, why should people have to work on a Sunday to try and survive? Sunday should be a family day, not a working day. From what I hear, there will be more businesses go to the wall in the city soon says the Baldy Barber. And cycling in the city um, we will all be purchasing a High Nelly bike with a basket on the front and another on the back to go shopping says Michael. I think they're a wonderful bike. They look great. And how much of the council how much of the council housing budget went unspent in recent years, says Kevin. There are just some of the calls and comments coming in to the programme. Don't forget you can contact the opinion line. A phone number at 818 96, 96, 96, Or you can text WhatsApp to O eight three nine six nine six nine six or email opinion at ninety-six FM dot IE. Now the housing crisis. Acres and acres of newspaper, um, have are, are been taken up with the housing crisis. You have hours and hours of, um, debates on radio and television all around the housing crisis. Is there's not a day, not an hour goes by when someone isn't discussing, um, eviction or how they're going to, you know, put a roof over their head. I want to go from Cork to Spain. Uh, uh, Philip, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing?
9: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you.
3: We have wonderful weather here in Cork. What is it like in Spain? Tell me, it's overcast and dull.
9: <laughs> <laughs> no such luck. No such luck. It's about twenty-three degrees today in Madrid, which is uh, quite hot, uh, considering the humidity and things like that. So, but you know, comfortable. It's manageable. Now, it'll get worse. And I say worse because it's difficult to work in it, you know.
3: I can imagine. So, listen, we're talking about housing. You've moved from Cork, but you're living in Spain. Why did you move out there?
9: Well, I moved from Cork uh, to Dublin first, where I was doing uh, I was doing a master's degree, and then I just decided that I wanted to kind of live outside of Ireland for a year, and that was back in 2016. And uh, I year. just kind of <laughs> fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just kind of fell in love with the place really, um, I was living in Valencia for five years prior to that um, and I love the the way of life, the, the standard living is fantastic, the food is fantastic and you know, uh, it doesn't break the bank to go out for a drink or to go out for a meal you know.
3: And have you purchased property over there, are you renting?
9: No, I'm renting, it's quite affordable to rent. Now, in Madrid is a little bit more expensive because it's the capital city, but it's still affordable. I mean, you can still do it, you know.
3: And when you say affordable, give me an idea of what, say, a two-bedroom apartment to rent every month? Well,
9: when I was living in Valencia, my two-bedroom apartment was 550 euros a month. Mm. I had two-bedroom apartment, I had a big sitting room. I had, you know, kitchens are really small in Spain, but I had kitchen, uh bathroom, you know, um, and it was in the city. Uh, pretty much in the city centre. So, I mean, that's how much I was paying now in, in Madrid. It's just one bedroom. I'm paying a little bit more for that because uh, it's the capital, as I say. I'm paying 675 for that apartment. But then I'm not in the city centre, but I'm about 15 minutes walk from my job then, you know.
3: But isn't everything relevant in Spain? Because, you know, the cost of living is a lot cheaper than it is hmm. here. The salaries are lower. So Salaries are lower, Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but it, will, will, will you come home to live?
9: I couldn't imagine it at this stage because it's just too expensive. I mean, if you consider even the price of a pint is about six euros, five seventy-six euros in some places. Um, you know, I think the biggest one of all is the cost of rent. And while salaries might be higher in Ireland, if you're going to be paying fifteen hundred euros a month for rent. I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of coming home because even though you might be earning more money, you're paying out more in rent, so your quality of life is less,
3: you know? You think there's too much pressure on people to buy a house, though, do you?
9: Huge. I think there's a massive amount of pressure put on people to buy houses, and it's needless, really. Like, I mean, there was a time where people were happy enough to get a house off the council, and it just seems that since the Celtic Tiger, really, that people have been discouraged from uh, wanting council houses, um, and that the the responsibility has been put on, you know, private developers to to house people, where you'd have. A massive amount of people know in in private rented accommodation, or you know, um, if they are you know trained to become homeowners and things like that. I don't know how people can do it like by paying rent at the same time. It's just impossible.
3: But what's what's you're saying? Like, do you feel that people are embarrassed to go on the social uh, social housing waiting list?
9: I wouldn't say it's a case of embarrassment. I mean, like there's a case of that. There's no hope because there's so many people that are on the social housing list. I mean, you see in the newspaper today in The Times, it said that the government had unspent one billion euros in funds that could have built four thousand social housing in the last three years. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. I mean, on top of that as well, I mean, I do think that there's probably, I suppose, I wouldn't say it's an embarrassment, but I think that people are kind of like, no, we have to own our own houses. Rather than live in a council estate, I think that council estates, as well, have gotten a bad rep. I mean, sure, in the nineteen seventies, when they were built, when there was probably economic stagnation, and you put a lot of people into one area where there's uh, a lot of people that are unemployed, there is nothing there for young people, mm-hmm. um, and it lacks a lot of facilities. Obviously, things then happened in the nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties. You remember with crime and things like that in the council housing estates. And I think it's down to more so than anything poor estate management. I mean, the building that I live in in Spain has a residence community, has a residence association, and that goes for every single building that are in my neighbourhood and all over the country really, But I must, you don't I, have I, I, that I, really.
3: have, I have to take my hat off to Cork City Council, and the housing, the housing regeneration plan in Ocnojine at the moment, those houses are top class. They're absolutely magnificent. Mm. And you know, they, they, yes, they're social housing. A lot of people have gotten them off the housing waiting list and they're onto them. Um, things are very, very much more improved. So, improving here, though, in in, in in housing developments.
9: They are improving in housing developments. But if you can go up to, we'd say, Mayfield and go from uh, Corb Lawn all the way down as far as Shannon Lawn, I think it's called. Count the amount of empty units that are down there. Oh, I
3: know that. I know. Count- I know.
9: So, I mean, like, if we're talking about there's huge improvements in terms of the quality of housing why aren't those houses occupied?
3: Well, they're going why to, are I, those I, houses I, yeah, empty for so long? Maybe part of a regeneration plan, we don't know. Look, I mean, that's that's a question we want to know from the mm. city manager, the CEO, and Doherty. Let us know. We we keep asking, why are all those houses vacant? And We don't seem to get the answer, but uh, hopefully someday we will. Listen, we're caught for time. Enjoy Spain. I know you're from the Glen. Very quickly, in one sentence, what do you miss about the Glen?
9: Oh, living with me ma'am. I suppose.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Listen, stay safe out there and um, keep well. Thanks, Paul. That's Philip living out in Spain, originally from the Glen. Corks 96 FM. Thursday morning on Corks 96 FM. This is the Opinion Line with uh, Paul Byrne. Now I was here I think around the sixteenth of March and I was talking to Chris Dorgan at Cork City Council. And at the time Chris and members of Cork City Council were trying to encourage us to speak a few words of Irish and pick up a books that were available, pick up a book that was available in the City Library, a little booklet that you could put in your pocket with everyday phrases. And um I believe it has been quite a success. But there is one man who has been learning the Cupla Fuckle ever before. For that, uh, dear Danish, this is my good. PJ. Uh, it's Paul, Tom, make a mob, Tom, make a mob, us, Danish, you're not from Cork, but you have picked up a few words of Irish. Where did your love of Irish come from? <sighs>
10: Actually, I was working at the station shop and there was uh, all the time people coming and going. So I find out in few, like in before the COVID time, there was few kids, like ten around 10, 15, they're coming every Friday to going back home and they're talking in different language. Then I find out with them, ask them what language you're speaking. And they said, we are still uh, speaking Gail talk the Gaelic, and uh, we are from Mallow, Triparee, and Tralee. We are coming into the Cork and staying in the hospital uh, hostel and studying talk school. So since then I was inspired with them and I was started asking to those kids uh, how to say hello and they teach me it's hello is great and what will be the response reply. this very good and I just picked up and uh, then I applied on to my customer and I got the good response and they're delighted to speak Irish and they're teaching me to more and more and uh, just keep learning still.
3: When you say your customers, you're you're, you're working in Eason's I think it is, in uh, Kent Railway Sha- Station, in Sha- the shop. Sha- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my Irish, I must say now from the outset, is shocking, honestly. Uh, okay. When you're say working Uber, uh, and will you egg Uber? Egg Uber, <laughs> See, you're correcting me already. Where Where are you originally from, Danish? I'm originally from Pakistan,
10: and the city is Karachi. And what brought you to Ireland? I was just moving Ireland because I was just wanted to move for my better future and other things. So I moved in Ireland and. Uh, I was this, I picked two places, England or Ireland, and my family friends and my personal GP, he used to be working as a doctor in Ireland. He recommended me go to the island, you will be loved it. People are very nice and friendly and very lovely people. And you're here
3: 15 15 years now at the moment. Have you any regrets?
10: No, no regrets. Honestly, speak uh, when I came over to Ireland... So first languages I learned is English because I started into uh, school in English and everything is in English but you know when you move it's accent you need to pick up later and you know, if you have time it'll give you the small funniest story uh, when I came over to the island and I was working in, in a store. Mm-hmm and uh, my English is not that good so he, my friend I asked like customer is asking for help and looking for something he said that's just when customer asking you something and if you don't understand just go to the computer and tell them sorry we don't have any stock <laughs> so one day customer came to me and he's like excuse me where is the loo I said give me, a, give me a two second I'll go to the computer and I said like excuse me we don't have any stock he's like where is the toilet <laughs> I said that way, and I just walked. Uh, that was embarrassing for me because we normally call toilets or Jacks. So Lou was first time for me. It's, so, it so embarrassing jacks. for me.
3: So, if I come into Essence in, and uh, Kent railway station, I ask you, you can direct me now to the Jacks or the Lou.
10: Yeah, I will direct you right now because it's 15 years. In the early days, it was like a bit hard.
3: <laughs> Fair play to you. Come here, what, the, um, have, can you have a conversation in Irish now? Uh,
10: I do basic conversation with my customer when they arrive to me. I said, normally I do D and they say like this smirgood or they call me de good and I reply this smirgood and Kanasatu. This and that like Tommy Guma or Tommy Gahun to Garfada, Tommy Arouse. These like, you know. Uh,
3: and when you basic heard, conversion, I, and when you heard all of these students who were coming and passing through the railway station, I mean, were you intrigued by the conversation? Were you like, did you say, "What in the name of God are they talking"?
10: Yeah, first time I was surprised, and when I just started learning, I didn't find out anything hard. It's not hard though; it's very easy, and it's uh, and I got the positive response from my customer when I applied and was and when I was talking to them. And uh, they they give me a good response, and they're teaching me as well. So I just keep learning and keep learning. And, 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 and
3: can, you, can yeah. you could you could you write? Um, we'll say, could you write a letter, osquilga uh,
10: kubel focal, which I uh, like, seen until the you know there's signs like uh, uh, like slan foilta uh the few things like.
3: And do you, has it been easy to learn or is it a difficult language, do you think?
10: I didn't find it like hard though, honestly speak, because just earlier you told, I heard you were telling, uh, you was in the city council, they were telling you that if you pick the books and put into your pocket and if if, if a one word, even a one word daily, end of there, 365 words you have. Well, say
3: that oh you yeah know 365 that. yeah 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 exactly I remember somebody, you know that yeah. if you
10: pick one word one word or one phrase a day even you cut down even, even half of it still be like 150 or more than that phrases um. to learn which I learn from the people like like, we keep asking how to say this and how to say this. Like, uh, and do people, the day is cold do, how to say,
3: do people then ask you, Geez, Danish, where are you learning your Irish? How have you picked up the Irish? Are they intrigued? Are they fascinated?
10: Yeah. Uh, because I can have basic conversation with the people when I start, and they think like he knows just one or two. and I'm keep talking to them, and they were surprised, and laugh, and amazed. And they were asking, Where did you learn? and I'm telling them this is self-taught, and they appreciate that. Unbelievable. And every time they try to teach me something new, like uh, the last word I learned, which is, recently learned, which is Makara, my friend. Yes. Very good. And, Tell uh, me this, I mean, you,
3: you're, you're in court now 15 years, you've learned Irish. Have you rung the bells of Shandon? Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn 't there. Have you kissed the Blarney Stone? I did you know it just amazes me that more people from outside of Ireland have possibly rung the Shandon bells and kissed the blarney stone it 's like you know today people will be talking about you. Did you hear about the guy from Pakistan working down the railway station and he speaks irish <laughs> you're you 're the topic of conversation today.
10: Yeah, actually, there was few customer came in and they were telling me they like because the news run uh, yesterday online and today's in the paper and we, and uh, on the radio, different radio channels. So they are coming and telling me you're on the radio. So uh, it sounds good, and I'm happy to hear that. You've and become
3: you've become the um, the railway station celebrity. You're you're the poster boy now of Kent Station
10: like Echo Boy
3: like <laughs> Echo <laughs> You'll be signing autographs very
10: shortly hopefully I'm just uh, I would love to learn more and more you know it's it's, it's great to have a conversation with the people I have a great, like big fan circle at the moment now they are coming most like whenever they're traveling they love to come to me and love to chat chat with me because I, I find out people like people love to speak Gaelic talk and they love to talk in Irish. Uh, just I find out to the you? teenagers. Go on, I beg your pardon. Uh, I think the teenagers they need a little bit like motivation or some do like some kind of programs and some you know the uh, some charm in it like you know some some. Uh, something they will gonna win and they will take definitely interest in it and they will go for it like some championship or some like some something like that very good i'm sure they will take interest in it
3: tell me this what do you like about cork and uh, what what irish food would you like what do you like to eat irish beef <laughs> right and uh have, and you tried, the, have you tried tripe and rashin?
10: Not the sheen, I tried the beans, I love the beans and uh, the Irish beef and the Irish breakfast. So, you like
3: And tell me this so, um, what, what do you like about Cork in particular, the city?
10: Uh, in Cork, I like the, as you told me, the Blarney and the, the place in Jameson. I visited it's lovely place and beautiful. And I see like so many tourists coming in to visit there and the city hall is beautiful opera house like and honestly speak i love the people i never find out anything negative always positive and people are always helpful and loving you you
3: you you're after developing a little bit of a cork accent have people said that to you
10: I heard I I heard from peop- few people whenever was, like sometime I'm talking with the in in English with the people and they start laughing. I said like you boy, you have a Cork accent. Get, you're getting Cork accent. I said I will yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. No, but you must
3: finish every <laughs> sentence with the word like. If yeah. You, if you want to become a Cork man from here on out, you have to <laughs> say hello, welcome to Easons like. Okay, you have to finish yeah. it with like.
10: <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> You what? Like that's what I do. Like,
3: <laughs> fair play to you. Fair play to you. Listen, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Come here can, before you go. Can I ask you how would I say bye bye uh, in your uh, in your language from Pakistan?
10: In Pakistan, we like it's like quite similar. When uh, you uh, do in English, in Gaelic, you do the means it means you're blessing them. So we do in our language is a blessing too. Uh, Allah hafiz means God bless you. Say it again.
3: Allah. Allah. Hafiz. Hafiz. Okay. Um, yeah, it means God protect you. Very good. Listen. B- Alablass, whatever it is. I beg your pardon, (laughs) excuse me. Listen, it's been lovely talking to you and um, enjoy the the rest of the day. And Slon Gafol.
10: Slon Gafol, Ganadia Bohurlat, August. hoge (laughs) Boge.
3: No, goodbye. This is uh, the Opinion Line with Paul Byrne. Now, last week, PJ spoke to, spoke to Jessica, who's calling on people to be kind to children who are playing in housing estates. She says, don't give out to them if the ball goes over your wall. Don't give out to them if they're a bit loud while they're out playing. Her conversation pro- prompted this voice note. Uh, this is Alexandra.
11: Hi guys. In regards to the kids playing outside and stuff, so we've moved into a lovely house facing the green. There's loads of kids playing. It never bothered us that the kids were playing and they were making noise until late and like absolutely no problem until four years ago we had a baby. So that all changed because like a baby has like well needs and needs to sleep and early and things like that so I started getting bothered and I started going out and telling the kids to move away from kind of near our house like I, I like I wasn't giving out but I try to be nice and explain look we have a baby really struggling to to make her sleep and stuff and they were staying out late especially in summer like uh, 11 p.m. as I said it's absolutely their business they were like um, teenager kids and stuff like that the only thing that was bothering me is that they were gathering next to the wall of my house just like literally right under the window of my daughter' bedroom so um, it was it was a bit of a, a pain and um, we ended up arguing with uh, some of the neighbors who the parents of some of the kids because instead of being understanding and saying look sorry we' we'll, we'll move there further or we'll try to keep it quiet and stuff some of them started arguing back with me and yeah, it was a bit um, like most of them were nice to be honest and they said oh I'm sorry we'll keep it quiet or whatever because they would be very loud shouting and um, laughing super hard and like which again as I said it didn't bother us for the first three years that we stayed there absolutely not but once we had a baby it was just a, a, a different thing a different thing and i remember even uh, going to one of my neighbors who i ended up kind of arguing a bit about this she was like oh this happened to me as well when i moved into this estate Uh, these things happen and that's it you just have to get on with it she told me and i got very upset i was like especially from a mother like you've been there like she said because cause she said it wasn't easy for her either and stuff and i was like then why would you make it hard for me i said will you please talk to your kids get them to be a bit more respectful and so in the end it kind of resolved. after a few a few months of this it it resolved finally <laughs> so that's all i wanted to say think about the other um, side of things like why do people go out telling kids to to be quiet or think about that as well like i i definitely don't want to be a witch or anything you know but i had like good reasons like good reasons <laughs> that's all I wanted to
3: say and uh, that was Alexandra who uh, left a voice note following a conversation about children playing in housing estates and um, you know sometimes the ball does go over the wall or maybe young fellas are playing runaway knock or whatever like that, kids will be kids but is it aggravating you um, do you go out to the back garden and get the ball or are you one of these people who keeps the ball and won't give it back to the the, the children, well if you want to leave us uh, know you can text us to whatsapp oh eight three ninety. Six ninety six ninety six. Or phone us on oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six. Or you can email the opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. Line one. We're going line one now. We want to go to uh, the Lord Mayor of Blackpool, Mick Murrayarty the Baldy Barber. Good morning,
12: morning Paul. How are you doing? Very good, thank you.
3: You don't sound that chirpy, Michael. What's wrong?
12: I'm grand. I'm grand. Little <coughs> My is give me a little bit of a problem. That's the only thing.
3: Michael, so. you're not in favour of us taking any more bank holidays than we already do. Why?
12: Well, for a small business, it is very, very hard. We have 10 holidays at the moment. And just for an example, if you're taking, like, I know now Patrick saves was on a Friday this year. But we had to close on a Friday. And then we had to open on a Saturday. So retail. Good Friday we close. We in retail can't go anywhere because we're back at work. As PJ said the other day, yesterday the day before. He said see, he's off for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But we can't go anywhere in retail. I'll let you take it. I, I I'd have to close. I give all my Saturday off. So if I decide to close, if I call it, my staff would be paid for being off on a Saturday of that long weekend.
3: But, uh, like, we'll say Good Friday You're not in favour of making Good Friday a bank holiday No, no My
12: father was a very devout man He started in 1937 And there wasn't too many shops around that time, Paul And he all oh, he'd go to have six mass every morning he shop open at seven o'clock in Merchant's Key But on Good Friday, he'd be at work And he'd close the door at half as two No matter who's there, lads Come back at four o'clock and he'd go over to St. Mary's on Pope's Key, and he'd get the stations, and he'd come back at 4 o'clock, and he'd walk away until 6.30 to take the pressure off him for a satellite.
3: But, Michael, we're living in a totally different environment and a different country to that of many, many years ago.
12: We are. Now, also, Paul, I must say this. I am very, very disappointed with our politicians recent St. Patrick's Day, our national holiday. I mean, here we are. The politicians don't stand up for the right to have it be closed. I'm talking all about all politicians now. So they should be standing up and shouting, it's our national holiday, everybody off in the story.
3: Okay, you were off on um, St. Patrick's Day. You were closed. Yes,
12: I, I honour it. I honour my national holiday every year.
3: But-
1: a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
3: Listen, what about the people who need to go in and purchase a bottle of milk, a sliced pan, somebody who might be caught for nappies for a baby, somebody who might need oh clothing God, in we a, a, a
12: fridge We have fridges. We had no fridges long ago, Paul, in the 60s. They were just having to come in. And I can tell you, the model survived very, very well because they had the pantry and they knew what they were able to do. So, like, the, a, a, a milk. And if a person has a children, I can tell you, you must have your nappies in the story. We
3: and are you them. are you thinking so? The pubs and the restaurants should be closed as well in Saint Patrick's I'd Day. I have I have I have no problem
12: whatsoever. None whatsoever. <laughs> it wouldn't worry me.
3: What about the people who come to visit here and they say, we got the parade, um, just visitors from outside of Ireland. We came here, we saw the parade, but yeah. after 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we had to go back to the hotel because we couldn't go to a bar, we couldn't go to a restaurant, we couldn't go to a museum. There was nothing for us to do in Ireland. What message is that going to send out, Michael?
12: Well, I tell you, see if they go back to the hotel, they, they'll get a drink because they, they'll be in the residence bar.
3: You know? Okay, what about if somebody who's come over and they're staying in B and B where there's there isn't a residence bar?
12: Yes, that would be tough in the story. You know,
3: but you're going to damage tourism big time.
12: I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. People, if people knew what was happening here. Like our, our festival is, is is a great day. It's, it's fabulous, right? Mm-hmm. And we all go to the parade part, and it, it's it's wonderful to see it. But like, what about the people inside the retail shops? They could they couldn't see the parade on the day.
3: So you're you're in favour of closing Saint Patrick's Day but you want to stay open on Good Friday?
12: Yeah, it's just an ordinary day. You take your break then to go to the stations, if you want to go to the stations.
3: Years ago, I can remember, I'm going back 30 years, I always thought Good Friday, I, I actually all at, for some time, I always thought it was a bank holiday, and but it's actually a church holiday. I often yeah. found Good Friday a very, very quiet day in and around Cork and uh, across the country. That's going back time you know, many, many years ago. Good Friday is now a case of, remember the Holy Hour, two to four of the pubs That's was closed right. years ago. That was abolished. The pubs are now allowed open on Good Friday. And I think the way this country is moving and the way the world is turning, in five to ten years, pubs will be open on Christmas Day here in Ireland.
12: Oh, it is going to happen because, as you said, it's changing. But well, I remember walking on Good Friday out in Blackpool, Paul, and I see all the men waiting for the pubs to open at 12 o'clock. And at 8 o'clock, I say, in the Saturday morning, they'd be in for a haircut. And the first thing they say to me, were you open yesterday? I said, yeah, I saw you standing outside the, what they call it, the Haven. Yeah. Out, of, out by Mannix's bar talking to such and such a fella you're waiting to get in see I didn't realise you were open because you were too interested to in try to get into the pub and they got into the pubs
3: you know and when they were supposed to be closed on Good Friday it
12: were supposed to be closed that, that that's happened all the time you know that was, that was a big thing that time to get in there but as you know that time sure you buy a ticket to go to co-op in the train and you never got on the
3: train. What, it, what, is it, what was it about Good Friday? Like, you, as you said, you, you bought your ticket to go to Cove, or you'd go up to the airport and um, right. pretend you were flying out, you might be able to get into the the, the bar, or you go to Fords and Dunlops to those uh, social right. clubs. That's where that's they were. Right. What was yes. it about, it was like, uh, what was it that you couldn't get alcohol on Good Friday, but people had to get their hands on it? <laughs> that's right.
12: I, I said... I said, the fact that, that you couldn't get it, so that, and I knew people who wouldn't go to Halley at all, maybe once a month, but they always went on a good Friday to try and get a drink for the sake of it, for some reason, to get the buzz out of it. You know?
7: Mm-hmm. It's,
12: like being a, it's like being inside the pub, the lockdown uh, for the whole hour, and you go, shh, we're closed. No stringing out till four o'clock, lads. Right. You know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so look, just back to your Good Friday, you don't want it to become a bank holiday.
2: But it, 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 it's to is it, is a,
3: I was just going to say, is this a case of money over uh, relaxation? Money well, comes I tell, first.
2: I,
12: I tell you, Paul, 10 bank holders, if you bring in 500, I know, I know And the Mondays, we just said they're all Mondays, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
12: And you bring in 500 euro, that's 5,000 the employer is losing, right? Coming in. But then you have two staff, in my position, in my position, I'm talking about, I have to, I have two staffed in and I must pay them over 2000 for the t- for the 10 days that they're off. Mm-hmm. They're all being paid. But I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing.
3: But it, listen, there's nobody forcing you to close. You could stay open yourself on Good Friday and uh, make up for lost ground.
12: You never make up for lost ground. Because, see, we, we, we're not like a factory that you can press a, b- a button and get another 10,000 uh, tablets out the door. We can't do that. Ours is time-consuming. Our business is very time-consuming. If you go to work in the morning, Paul, at half past eight in my shop, and there's three of us working, and we just say do two haircuts every 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 hour. to three of us—that's six haircuts mm-hmm. in an hour. So f- from half past eight to half past ten, we don't do a haircut. We're down twelve haircuts. We will never make it up. You will never make it up, no mm-hmm. matter how fast you go, unless you stay till eight o'clock that night.
3: Unless you got a few fellas uh, hippies loaded. <laughs> yeah. That'd
12: be that'd be lovely. Ch- charge him, be, double, charge <laughs> him double. charge them double. Well there is this, we have a sign uh, special work extra. And you have to have that nowadays because Mick people you now are listening ha-
3: to this and they're just saying Mick Moriarty's doing extras. Don't be saying that <laughs> <laughs> I love doing extras <laughs> <laughs> Alright, listen, come here to me before you go, that's it, Mick Murray RT, Blackpool, the Lord Mayor of Blackpool he does not want Good Friday turned into a bank holiday and I know other people, the Labour Party in particular, um, are, are, are shouting from the rooftops for that but uh, you think the Labour Party has to think of oh, the, the, the I just say something
12: about the Labour Party right, they're mm. all part of SIP2 as far as I'm concerned and they've left the people down in this country very badly. Sorry, right, we're not going to turn because this
3: into a, a political broadcast. No, candidate.
12: no, no, no. Number seven branch, number seven branch, I was a big follower of the number seven branch. I followed all the guidelines. Mary was the secretary, Joe Keller was the, 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 mm-hmm. the branch secretary. And I, I would ring every a couple of months, i will write to them, what are the wages happening, what's the wage structure, what's happening with bank holidays, what's happening with holidays, is there a pay increase? And I believed in it. And there is nothing there for the young workers today. There's not one young worker could tell you what is the basic pay for a barber. And it's very, very sad that they don't even know their rights. All right. A fact.
3: Listen, you're working tomorrow we are alright and no extras alright come here are you they? followed the number 7 branch I followed the number 7 bus there was a lasher from vera <laughs> on it and Mick, happy you a and many happy returns Mick Jake, no, that's so Mick Moriarty the Baldy oh. Barber who'll be open for business tomorrow this is Paul Byrne on the opinion line on this uh, Thursday morning the amount of scams uh, emails texts calls and everything since Covid has just gone through the roof and they're continuing Tony good morning how are you how are you Paul how are you Paul you had a oh, call like this you. morning what happened to you
13: yeah, the that my Amazon account somebody was using my Amazon account, but I don't have an Amazon account, you know, Paul.
3: You know. So, so you got a call, and, and was it a male or a female? What did they say? It's,
13: it's a female voice. Your Amazon. There's uh, basically they're saying there's uh, unusual activity on your Amazon account.
3: You know. And you don't have one. I don't have one. And so did you say did this was, did you say this to the caller?
13: I didn't even wait for it. I just pressed the button. I just pressed press the button on the phone and deleted the number. You
3: know? Okay. I suppose look you you're really warning people because it's very good of you to call because you haven't been caught, but others could be caught out there really, couldn't they?
13: Right, that's the reason why you rang it there, Paul, you know.
3: So what are you saying to people?
13: Just uh, be careful if they do get some funny phone, this isn't the first funny phone call I got pre, I got one No, maybe two months ago, Just, is my AIB account, which I don't have either, you know. So.
3: Maybe you're telling everyone you don't have any money in the AIB secretly, but you do have a a, a big Ansbacker account, do you? <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> come here to me. Have you got the number that it came from this morning? The, the... I
13: didn't know. I just deleted it, you know.
3: All right, okay. All right. Listen. Well, you... I didn't
13: give him a chance to come back to me, Paul, because I just deleted everything. Before say, about these things,
3: you know. Yeah, it's it's a shame that things are happening like that. And listen, fair play to you for being on the ball to just hang up. But other do others do engage, even though they mightn't have an Amazon account, they mightn't have an AIB. But there, these people on the phone, they're experts in what they're doing. That's just a female
13: voice, you know, and she was very very polite, and you know the story, like
3: right, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for calling us. And beware, people are making calls this morning telling people that there's unusual activity in their Amazon accounts. And if you don't have one of those accounts, simple thing is, Tony says, what you got to do, Tony? Uh, just press the button and (laughs) delete Tony, thanks a million, hang on to your money in the IB now just uh, some calls and comments on relation in relation to St Patrick's Day, people are not honouring St Patrick, they are honouring drink, says Bernie on the subject of pubs opening on Christmas Day it will be a disgrace if pubs will ever open on Christmas Day it's a family day, one day in the year hopefully it will never happen, says Caroline and a caller on the eviction ban says I read somewhere that the Taoiseach said that they made the decision without reference to the numbers of people likely to be evicted but even if they knew that 7,000 people were likely to be evicted they would still have made the same decision. That takes my breath away. Any bit of doubt I had in my mind that they just don't care about people being evicted is gone now. On the public on the subject of public transport we spoke to the Lord Mayor earlier on. Caller here says it's easy for the Lord Mayor to talk about public transport and all that the number 203 bus service. Is impossible to rely on, and you would never go into town again if you've been stranded a few times. Now, Let me see. I also hear a call on the cost of living. It says, I'm currently off work due to illness. How do the government expect us to survive on €214 a week? It comes into my account and as soon as it does, it's gone again. I won't be able to return to work for a while, so how can I manage to put €200 away for a buffer? Some days I don't eat because of having no money. After I had everything paid for this week, I had €15 left for a food shop until next Next week. Between car between the car bills and electricity to name a few, it's completely unrealistic. I'm currently looking at being off work for about two years and I'm waiting to meet a surgeon. I'm at my wits end, I'm 27, and I'm barely surviving. Unfortunately, lots and lots of people are finding themselves in that situation at the moment. So there's some of the calls and comments to the opinion line. I want to go to Kinsale, where we know of that famous, famous family funfair, Pipers. Brendan Piper, good morning.
14: Good morning, Paul. Paul, thank you so much for having me on your show. Appreciate it.
3: Not at all. Brendan, you're not in the best of form at the moment. Can uh, Can I ask you, are you up and running? Are you open for business?
14: No, Paul. We're still made again, Paul. Uh, we should be getting well, saying that pop, we're ready to go, trucks, everything, all the rides, service, insurance ready to go, staff ready to go, everything. But um, three weeks ago, this started their last November, I applied, which I do every year annually, for the coming season. season Last uh, November in 2022, I applied for Clark County Council for the rent of the park, where we have our traditional fund ranking sale.
3: How long are you and in that? Come-
14: since 1934. Oh, God. And um, and the funfair is in King Seal since 1932 in Sharkey, where the showman's wagon was. We had to move that. My grandfather built the showman's wagon there in 1932, and he also built his um his own funfair from scratch in 1932. Okay. And in 1934, he moved to the park.
3: And here we but, are um, in 2022, and you're not open for business. When should you have opened this year? This season,
14: we should be, we everything ready. We should be putting in after the rugby sevens, and we get on the seventh of May. We normally come in and build up and get ready for the June weekend, Paul.
3: This year, and, however, if you're to do that, Cork County Council wants sixty thousand euro from you.
14: Yes, yes, this is where... And there was no mention we could Paul, we could have went in last year, and we said because the people, because of COVID. And business, certain business people wanted the car park for their businesses, to fill their own businesses. We said, you know what? We won't go in. We'll take the the hit. We won't go in that season. That was last season. We'll give it to the business people who wanted the car park for their businesses, and we'll um we'll go in this year instead. So we we did that. But anyway, when I applied for it in November, I got no. The word I got back from county hall was, we're going to um. Well we we will readdress this in January. January this year that came, February came, no answer. So I contacted the councillors. A councillor came back to me and he said, Yeah, Brendan, that was only three weeks ago this came back. Yes, Brendan, you can go in. And and further Clark County Council Paul, they we re rent that park annually. Mm-hmm. And they and what they did they kept the they kept the, the price of the the rent to the two, 2019 amount that we paid then. And I appreciated that.
3: And how much were but you paying the back then? Uh, three thousand. Three grand. But this yeah. year they want sixty thousand.
14: That's for the, the and uh, they said, uh, this is on top of the three grand.
3: Okay, so they won sixty three grand.
14: Yeah. So there's I mean, the, the but is
3: that sixty thousand refundable? Is it is it a bond or is it like to rent the space? It's a it's a bond. It's a bond. Like yeah. an insurance bond. It's a
14: bond. It's an insurance bond and it's sixty pound. Now, I got on there I made the calls there through um colleagues there in the showman's guild who who these lads be shows would be up and down the country mm-hmm. and my colleagues in the showman's guild said they never came across that the most they did that they've heard other uh, well, shows paying bonds from eight hundred to two thousand, and but and I was on too. I've been on the phone up and down the country trying to get a bond with different companies, Paul. The latest came back um, last week with me, and I had a nice fellow in Carlo. I was talking to him at three o'clock in the afternoon, Paul, and he came back at nine o'clock at his own time, and. He, Brian was his name. He sympathised with me, Brian. I tried everything. He said, I never, we never, never, I'm, I'm in the business 40 years, Brandon, and I never ever heard a bond like this before. I'm so, so sorry. He said, I can't help you. I tried
3: everything. Okay. But so, he the, said, the, so the, the 60,000 euro, the bond, that is that has to be payable to Cork County Council? That's to be paid. yes. Yeah, that's, okay. That's made payable to Cork County Council. Have you got, genuinely, have you got that 60,000 euro?
14: Not a hope. I haven't been operating in three years. Where am I going to get tr- a bond of 60,000? 60,
3: 60, Could you I haven't go got it, to uh, the bank? Could you it. go to the credit union and borrow no. this on a short-term loan?
14: <clears throat> I've tried that because, and I'd be straight with you here now on air, Paul. Um, hands up. I went to the bank and I tried to get this bond. We have a business account, and that business account is only for the funfair.
7: Mm-hmm.
14: Which means... All um, our colleagues' wages are paid out of it. The insurance is paid out of it. A pint of milk is the part of the the, the the fund for that. All comes out of it. Grease oil—it's all done locally. We by locally, but it's all coming out of that account. And that that account is absolutely zero because we haven't been operating in three seasons. <laughs> and the bank—I can see what they're coming at. They said, Brendan, there's no activity in your bank account in three years. We can't, we can't um, entertain this.
3: Okay, Brendan Piper, you've been in business. Your family there since the 1930s. And this year, yep. t- 2023, I keep saying 2022, 2023, there's a very, very strong possibility that the traditional fund fair, that is Piper's, will not be operating in Kinsale. Is that the reality?
14: It's hundred percent. It's not scare, yeah. is it scaremongering? There's not, not scare it to, it's not only scary, it's disappointing, it's upsetting. I'd be the fourth generation with a small with another generation coming up. And you know what? With all this, you're trying to keep a tradition going. I wouldn't wish this in any my next generation coming up. They don't deserve this. No, and it is this is happening. Because what we do, Paul, we go in, we build up and we um, we give childhood memories. Yeah. That's what we
3: do. Childhood memories. That is you know, an absolute be, that, We all have memories of going to, to of Pipers. We all have memories of going to Pipers, I think. If it's, if it's not Kinsey, you know, it's Crosshaven, whatever the case may be. You know?
14: And I'm just trying to keep a traditional fund for... I said this before. This isn't about, Paul. This isn't about money. This isn't about Pipers making... Being made we never... Paul, it, it's all up to Holy God... It depends on the weather. The weather permitting, there's times that we left that far below, you know, and everyone else, everyone else was paid. Everyone, mm-hmm. But we mightn't have the money to put in the diesel in their our own cars, but everyone else was paid, and everyone had a good time, and everyone came in safe and went home. So that's what about. If you tell me that's not tradition,
3: oh no, it is. I mean, can I ask not, you? It's what- not about money. What have the traders done to support you uh, in Kinsale I mean you 're part and parcel of kinsale you're you 're part of the rich history of Kinsale. Have the traders in any way come coming around and rallied around you well, the,
14: the local the old school local people in Kinsale traders now have been very supportive of us you know this when it was mentioned. Like people come up, who are these business people who are trying to get you of to Kingshill. I said, this is not this old no tradition. These are people; the old traditions are, are 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 for us, you know. When it was said that that the car park, there's business people in the town want the car park for their business. This isn't all the this isn't all the business people in Kingshill. Mm-hmm. This is only a very majority of people, mm-hmm. business people in who want that for their the car park for their businesses. And then I said, and what are we coming?" to? I said, and this is what I said to the council, you're talking about business people. with since 1934 in, in Kingshill, in the town park. With there since 1932 in Kingshill. We we pay our taxes. We give employment. We pay, we, we give, um, we pay, you know, our VAT. You know, we run our business as a business. Okay, and are we not? Are we are we not? Are we not considered a business? And I think we're working. We're a asset to the town also, Paul. Because and the, the people, local people, know that we bring in revenue into the town. All
1: right,
14: people come to us generation year after year, and then, um, you know they spend in town and they come to us. You know. <sighs>
3: Brendan, to I can imagine what listeners are thinking this morning. They must be absolutely gutted, and I know the majority of people I think will be on your side. And we really, really hope that Piper's Funfair will be up and running for the May Bank Holiday weekend in Kinsale. Um, look, I, so I Paul, another thing. I, go on, very briefly. There's-
14: Oh, well, uh, quick! There's another thing that we've been talking about. Know, there's a an active committee on board. You know, they've been very, very supportive of of us, the public family. Like the media have your good sales, um, and especially the big thing with the locals. This the the committee or farm are having a meeting tomorrow. farm they're having a meeting to um organize uh,
3: a peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. Where is that happening? Very quickly. Um, but, uh, in Kinsale. In Kinsale. What time? In, we
14: we we haven't... Um, They're meeting tomorrow, to discuss that and arrange all that. All right, but come, I back, will come let back to us um, when you
3: have a time and we let the I listeners let know. It. All right. Look, Paul, I think people power hopefully will win out. Um, Tim Lucy is the CEO at Cork County Council. Maybe you should go and try and make an appointment with him and, you I, know, I, see, I, can I
14: make some common Paul, sense? Paul, I did, I tried to make an appointment, I sent him an email and he says He's too much busy of a schedule.
3: All right. Brendan Piper uh, thank you so much indeed, and I wish you well. Thanks for taking the call, Brendan. Thursday morning on Cork's 96FM this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ today and tomorrow now we spoke with Brendan Piper from Piper's Fun Fair in Kinsale a couple of moments ago and uh, difficulties possibly getting it off the ground this year due to a bond Cork County Council looking for €60,000 from Brendan and Co before they can open up Uh, that prompted lots of calls and texts caller here says, got it to hear about Kinsale my two nephews visit from America and I can honestly say the highlights of their trip is the Marys in Kinsale. I love the word Marys. They absolutely love them. There's nothing like that in America and I think the powers that be would be surprised how many visitors class it as an essential part of their trip and experience. Nothing quite like it in the UK, US or France, says the caller. Bernie was on to say, thank you to Brendan for all the good memories she has had from the fun fairs, and the council should remember what the success of Kinsale is now based on and remember where they came from. Um, And on the subject of scammers earlier on, oh no, sorry, just one more on Kinsale. It says, I think that Kinsale has gone too cosmopolitan and now maybe the powers that be don't really like the idea of having fun fairs and simple pleasures like that. The whole thrust of the town right now is having things like gastro tours and so on, which is great, but they should leave room for the locals and the ordinary people too. It is possible, said the caller. We also spoke um, a while ago to Tony, about scam calls and what have you. And um, Jackie, you have been the subject of a scam call. Good morning.
15: Hi, good morning. Yeah, um, it's just in relation to the scam call. So what happens is uh, Amazon, well, it's not actually Amazon. Scammers will send out a robocall. So it's an automated call to thousands of numbers. Um, So a robot comes on the phone, uh, just speaking chat, just saying, basically, um, there's, you know... uh, uh, there's activity suspicious activity on your account, so it says press one to speak to an amazon representative so don't ha- don't don't do nothing just hang up do not press one, just hang up the phone, go on to your Amazon account, go into recent orders and just check if there's actually an order being placed on your account don't even because what's going to happen is if you press one you're going to get through to them and they're gonna what they do is they remove they remote connect your computer or your phone and what they do is they go in and they ask you to log into your bank to see how much money was taken out. And then what they try and do is they try and transfer money from your bank uh, to, to their account.
3: But if you do press 1, are you actually talking to uh, a human being or are you talking yes. to a robot?
15: Yeah, usually from, from India. It's, it's a scammer from India.
3: But So the robot sends out this message, or activates, and all the numbers ring. And hopefully out of 100 calls that one or two people you actually fall for it
15: that's that's what they're hoping yeah yeah
3: have you been caught yourself have you ever received no, any of these calls
15: no no i haven't i've received those calls yeah i've received those calls but i've i've, I've just hang up straight away hang up straight away it's just a robo call. thousands of numbers are getting these calls you just hang up do not press one
3: and what about these uh texts as well are you suspicious of some of the texts that are going about
15: yeah, any text like that they just, just if you have an account or even if you have a bank account, ring the ring the number on the back of your card. Just don't press, just don't press one. Just don't don't initiate with the call. Don't don't click on the text because if there's a link, a link in the text you're gonna uh, you know, be put through to a website, a fake website which could possibly try and steal your money as well. All right. So just always always I- just even Google, even Google, sometimes if you type in something in Google it will bring up a scammer site. So you always have to be careful.
3: And you say there's a video explaining how it's done and how to avoid it on YouTube. Is that right?
15: Yeah, it's scammer payback and another guy called uh, Jim Browning on on YouTube. If you look up those on YouTube, there's they explain. So what they do is they pretend that they're an elderly person, um, and they call back these numbers. They go through to these numbers and they play along with them. All right. And at the at the end of the call, then they obviously you know say we know you're scamming people. Why why are you doing this? And you know things like that
3: all right okay jackie thanks for taking the call and uh i best it's just uh, call caller beware that's it really jackie. exactly exactly all right. call or beware jackie thanks a million enjoy the day um also on scams i get calls from amazon constantly it's automated so I hang up straight away aib is the same hang up delete straight away they're just scammers says veronica but shelly mccarthy on the other hand of scammers you're saying not everybody is bad there are some good Samaritans out there Shelley good morning
0: there most definitely good morning Paul how are you
3: I'm very good you're looking to track down a good Samaritan. tell me what happened
0: well basically on Monday myself and my daughter headed into town and I was posting forms away but unknown to myself I lost the forms and they obviously blew around the city centre Um, and I received a letter yesterday morning just um, beautiful words from a, a kind person I don't know who it was just signed their initials and just... Um, so, they, so
3: whatever you lost in tone, all this documentation, your uh, your name and address was on, obviously on name, the documentation.
0: Address. Exactly. And like my daughter, she has illnesses at the moment. So I was explaining everything about my daughter and everything she's been through. You know, very personal information yeah, on yeah. these letters. So I received that letter yesterday morning and the generosity from this person was amazing. And the kind words inside the letter, it just touched my heart so much. I couldn't just leave a go. Like, I, had, I, I would love to find this person just to say thank you.
3: And did they, yeah. they sign the letter?
0: They just left their initials on the letter. No name, no address, nothing. But just, they said that they're going to pray for both of us, basically, and hope everything goes well for us in the future. But I just thought it was a beautiful letter to receive. And the generosity, this person will know what they've done. I don't want to go into too much
3: detail about it. And what what were the initials that were signed on the letter?
0: Uh, to me, I couldn't make it out now properly, but it was either DL or DC. And it was found outside Nash's on Princess Street when I wasn't anywhere near there that day, so I don't know how it got, even got over there, but okay. this was...
3: The so the initials, post. the initials. somebody who, and they said in the letter that they found your documentation outside Nash's, uh, Nash 19 on Prince Street, is that correct?
0: They, did, they found a piece, but this piece that they actually posted back was my, uh, my PPS number, my phone number, my email address, my home address. So it was all the important information that they actually did post back to me. And so their initials lovely. are
3: DL or DC? That's the one, yeah. What did that do to you? Because we hear so many bad news stories every day. We hear about scammers. We hear about people, you know, being attacked or whatever the case would be. uh, People down on their luck. But what does this say about society?
0: Well, do you know what? Now the last couple of years, being honest, myself and my daughter have been in and out of hospital. She's been really sick. And I've kind of been fighting and fighting to get her the help that she needs. And this person just picked up a piece of paper and probably thought nothing of it and was generous enough to do something for me and it just genuinely yesterday it made my day it actually touched my heart so much to think that there's actually people still out there with everything that is going on the cost of living and everything else that they actually took time out of their day to do something like that for someone else I just thought it was lovely
3: it shows that um, I suppose it restored your faith in humanity. Really, does it? It
0: did indeed, and that's exactly what I said. Like, you no, know, this person might want to remain anonymous, and that's okay too. But I would just like them to know if they are listening or if they have seen my post that we are so grateful and we do appreciate it all. It hasn't go- gone unnoticed or anything like that.
3: Can I ask you, without delving too far, uh, your daughter? Hold. Is she what's wrong? She-
0: she's eight years of age, and she um, she has kidney problems at the moment, and she's been diagnosed. Um, which another problem as well and there's ongoing issues behind the scene, like with schooling you now and things like that mm-hmm. I won't go into too much detail yeah, yeah. but she's finding it very, very hard and it's a strain on both of us at the moment God so loves. just something like this just perks both of us up just that little bit
3: Yeah, and uh, so she's aware of it as well, she is?
0: She's aware, i told her, I've told her, yeah I have told her and I just thought she she was crying early when I was telling her same as myself, I was bawling yesterday when I seen the letter What's her name? Her name is Ella. Ella. Ella, and she's making her communion and everything next month, so you know little things like that, just they pick you up like and they just let you know that there is good people in the world still, thankfully.
3: Very good. Has she uh, has she got her communion dress picked out? She hasn't yeah. yet. We'll be going to
0: collect it in the next week I'd say, so it's all getting real now. We're oh all excited. Guess.
3: So the communion, the confirmation, and then the wedding?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be another couple of
3: years Your babies, they they grow up very fast, um, they do, Shelley They
0: do, they really do
3: Alright, well look, I just want to recap there You lost some very personal information and documentation in tone, What day did you lose it?
0: It was on, I think it was Monday I lost it And it was posted back to me on Tuesday And I received it then yesterday
3: And when did you notice that it was gone? Where did you lose it?
0: I, I didn't even realise it was gone It wasn't until I came home that right. I was like, oh sugar, I can't find the letter anywhere so, All just right. kind of left to go. I wasn't expecting nothing back, genuinely. I just said, look, it's gone now. Someone probably picked it up through it in the bin.
3: Right. All right. So you and the person wrote to you, they said they found your documentation on Princess Street outside Nash 19. They left their initials. You think it's DL or DC. And if you are DL or DC and you're listening to this, uh, Shelley would love to get in contact with you just to have a chat with you privately on the phone. And if you're not into getting online or coming on uh, on air, uh, Shelley just wants to express her heartfelt uh, thanks, really, isn't it? That's it.
0: That's the one I just said. Thank you so much and I really, really do appreciate it. We both
3: do. Very good. And listen, we hope that everything works out for Ella and I know she's going to be the belle of the ball the day of our communion. Tell her have a wonderful, wonderful time from all of us here at 96. I will
0: indeed. Thanks very much, Polly. I appreciate
3: it. Good morning, Shelley. Thank you. Thank you. Right. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ on the Opinion Line. This Sunday is Easter Sunday and I'm sure lots of you will be tucking into your uh, chucky. Uh, I think we devour something like in the region of 7 million uh, Easter eggs. I think that's the figure that I read there sometime yesterday. I was actually in Ballincollig in, in in the Enterprise Park in a company yesterday called Luso. Uh, it's a, uh, a cork owned company. They make handmade east, hand personalised Easter eggs. Absolutely. That is is one of the downsides of the job. You know, you've got to go in and sample all the chocolate every day and whatever they're making and hence why I'm, you know, uh, on the heavy side, I suppose, as it were. You know, protruding muscle is what I like to call my weight. But um, as a speaking of Easter, I'm going all the way up to Dundalk in County Louth. John, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Are you a fan of Easter? Uh
16: I can't say I'm any different to the next person, Paul. To be quite honest with you,
3: you're in the news for something very unusual. Tell us about your yeah, fridge. What's in your fridge?
16: It seems to come up every year for the last few years. Uh, in the fridge this year, there is a 45-year-old treebark Easter egg.
3: No, tell us again. How old? For the listeners, in case they're thinking they're hearing things.
16: Uh forty five.
3: Forty five years ago you got a present 1978, of an Easter egg. Yeah. Nineteen seventy eight. You were just five.
16: I was only five, yeah, at the time.
3: Who gave you the this Easter egg?
16: I got the egg. It was a cousin of my mum's back then. The ball passed on, unfortunately, at this stage, but it was it was just so different. It was different than what you'd see in nineteen seventy eight. I suppose partially by the fact it came from the north and at that time chocolates and sweets there was much more of a selection there and it was like something you'd never see here
3: and and you just said this is too nice it's too good to open
16: this is too good to open it was left there for a while in the fridge i suppose with the intention of maybe opening it later probably got forgotten about and then in a year's time well can't throw that out so it just stayed there and it's been a kind of a running joke over all the years and uh well, 45 years later, it's still there.
3: And have you been tempted? I mean, every Easter do you say, Go on, I'm going to do it this year?
16: Nah, not really. Though I might next year. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> Only joking. But uh, no, really, I'm more of a savoury person than a uh, sweet person. So doesn't really doesn't really bother me being there. Or tempt me, shall I say.
3: And are you known around Dundalk as the, that's your man, the exciting the fella? <laughs>
16: <laughs> not at all. Not really. Uh, people have been hearing it and, and and commenting on it over the last few days. Say, oh, I never knew about that. But uh, there you go. No, I don't go shouting it from the rooftops. It's just there secretly in the back of the fridge. Well, not so secretly anymore, Paul.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> describe describe the box. What what is it wrapped in? What what does it look like?
16: It's a standard. It's a kind of a rectangular shaped box. It's got a little uh, furry cat, or not a furry. It was like that felt type fur on the left-hand side, that's in the box to the left of the egg, and the right to the right is the Easter egg itself, and it says on the front, uh, welcome to Kitty's Cottage.
3: And tell me this, John, if somebody said, what would it take, how much is it going to take for you to open the fridge and rip open the box and eat the egg? You're on deal or no deal now here. Just imagine you're on a quiz show, all right, I'm giving you a grand deal or no deal. I'd, I'd
16: say no deal, Paul.
3: Okay, one second, I'm picking up the phone, I'm getting <laughs> in touch with the banker. Okay, let me see. I'll raise it to two and a half grand, John. I'm giving you two and a half thousand euro into your hand to open the 45-year-old Easter egg, devour it, two and a half thousand euro, deal or no deal?
16: You see, the thing is, banker, would they, would they be there in a week's time to enjoy the two and a half grand? But anyway, yeah, you know, we could be, we could be tempted.
3: I'd say five grand, and you're, uh, you're you're you'll do a deal, will you?
16: <laughs> oh, probably, yeah.
3: Very <laughs> good, but no, honestly, you you don't have any intentions. It's forty five years. No, you, look, you it's, it's forty
1: five wanted...
16: years. It's forty five years there. I suppose as part of the furniture in the house at this stage, and uh, we see how long it lasts and see if if the kids coming after me. They're only they're only four and coming five, so uh, you know it's going to be their job in 30 years time to look after
3: us and ha- have you looked up the Guinness Book of Records or anything like that to see you know are you, are you are you a history maker
16: there was a time back when this came up first on your sister station up in the northeast here back about five years ago uh, that another lady had called in I think from County Meath she possibly had one that was older but I haven't heard anything since uh, but there was, there was it, it may not be it's okay. quite possible it may not be
3: so we're looking for anybody out there in Cork who has an Easter egg 45 years and older to give us a shout and put it up to, uh, John Gartland from County Louth. Is, is he, is, has he got the oldest Easter egg in Ireland? I, I, I think you must have really, John, do you?
16: Well, look, So we, we, we'll aspire to have it anyway. We try, we try and get into the record books. Very and uh, if there's if there's an Easter egg older than Kate Bush's Withering Heights, that that was the number one when we got the Easter eggs, so that's how old it is.
3: Oh my yeah, you know that that that, that shows when you say Withering Heights, no, yes, yes, yes. Tell me, have you anything else collected in the house? Anything strange?
16: Have I not strange in the house? Ah look, I'm not I'm not a hoarder by any means. When I was tidying up we were converting the attic back a couple of years ago and I found a Wonderly Wagon annual from nineteen seventy nine. And I've still got my, my granny's old Valve radio from the nineteen fifties in working order. Well it'll work for another week or so when RTE turn off, but it's still there and in working order. Are you are you but listening to that, that on long wave? Really. So
3: are you listening to that on long wave at the moment? You are the, 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 the radio? Oh it works, yeah. yeah. It it does work and
16: yeah, lovely sound out of it.
3: So you've got so the forty five year old history, you've got it. um the the radio. What else did you say you had?
16: I, a Wonderly Wagon 1979 Wonderly. annual, and that's about my limit to, to historic things.
3: The Antiques Roadshow on its travels around county laws. Oh, yeah, we, we,
16: we'll have to get them over, yeah, absolutely.
3: Very good. And do you remember Wonderly Wagon?
16: I remember Wonderly Wagon well when I was a child. If, if you put it on the TV now, you'd probably scare all the kids away.
3: Hello, my name is Judge, and remember, boys and girls, the Safe Cross Code. Do you remember the Safe Cross Code? Uh, two don't listen, stop and wait, wasn't it? Remember, one look for a safe place. Two don't hurry, stop and wait. Three look all around and listen before you cross the road. Remember, go on, you keep going.
16: <laughs> look you for t- a safe place. I think, yeah, yeah.
3: That's
16: oh, nice. look, uh, I think that was revived as well. But anyway, Paul, look, it's it's been been great. Uh, maybe maybe next time we're down in Cork, we'll, we'll 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 bring it down and. Uh, and, and and hanging on one of the bridges there or something. See do what us. happens.
3: We'll buy we'll buy a bar of chocolate. Listen, John. Thank you very much indeed. Lovely talking to you. And enjoy your Easter. And thank uh, you very much. And make sure you boys and girls there there enjoy Corking it.
16: And- have a good Easter. Thank you very much. All the best now. Me.
3: Bye-bye. That's John. John is all the way from County Louth. He's got an Easter egg, 45 years of age, or 45 years old. Have you anything similar? Um, there was a call here to say that uh, we love to hear... Yeah, do, 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 let me see. that. There was a story a few years back about a McDonald's burger that was made in 1999. A man in America has it and it still looks the same to this very day. So if you think you've got something like a burger, like an Easter egg, anything like that, let us know anything unusual that you have from many, many years ago. Just as John said, he's got the Wonderly Wagon uh, annual. I remember Wonderly Wagon one, in one particular episode years ago, Christmas time. I don't know if you remember this yourselves, listeners, but it was a Christmas special. They had Judge, Mrs. O'Brien, 40 Cokes Cokes and the whole lot. And there was a band, a show band at the time called The Indians. And they had a Christmas special in a hospital in Dublin. You had Judge running around, Mr. O'Brien, and you had The Indians running around a children's ward on Christmas morning, scaring the living daylights out of the children. That was brilliant. I oh, can remember that vividly to this very day. This is Cork's 96 FM. We'll take a break. We're back in a moment. Oh, beg your pardon. We're going to take um, Peter Horgan, I think, we before we go to the break. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? How are you doing? Peter, you're a representative a local councillor with the Labour Party. You were listening to Mick Moriarty earlier on in relation to bank holidays. You're in favour of making Good Friday a bank holiday. Why? Uh,
2: I'm in favour because Number one, it regularises what has traditionally been uh, an observation of a holiday in the country. And usually lower paid workers, those in hospitality and retail, have been benefiting from a public holiday, while those in larger companies have benefited from discretionary views from their employer and public sector and the banks have benefited from a day off. It's it's not equal and it's not fair across, across the country for a public holiday. So what Senator Marie Sherlock has proposed is that we just regularise what has been a traditional observation and make it a public holiday.
3: We have 10 public holidays already.
2: Is that not enough? Well, our European neighbours have 13, an average of 13 across the EU. And actually, if you look at our nearest neighbours, UK, who have left the EU, they treat Good Friday as a public holiday also. So I'm saying, like, why can't we just regularise across the economy? If you're rostered to work, then you get a few quid extra in your pay packet or working on a public holiday, but with the, re- with the restrictions on the licensing laws eased over the last few years, you're seeing more and more people in hospitality and retail on Good Friday, and there are events around it. So we believe that hard work deserves reward, and, and that a public holiday is, is apt for that for workers, for low-paid workers, especially in Ireland and in Cork.
3: But if people don't want to work Good Friday, all they have to say to the boss is, look, I'm not available this Friday.
2: But that eats into their annual leave then. So why should someone who doesn't want to work Good Friday uh, be penalised for an annual leave day versus someone in the public sector who gets a day off and it's not eating into their annual leave. See, it's, it's a question of fairness. And I mean, if if we can if we can mirror our European neighbours who have Good Friday off, I think there's about 120 countries that observe Good Friday as a public holiday. And, and a country like Ireland doesn't. Uh, so it just equalises the playing field for everyone.
3: But you you mentioned the word fairness. What about the employer who's been very fair to his or her employee over the that 12-month period? Uh, you know, maybe they're turning up late a couple of mornings, they don't dock their pay. And being self-employed in this day and age is far from easy. There's massive overheads. Um, these are people who take a chance, and they're creating great employment for people, Peter. it's all You always seem to be down on the self-employed.
2: How I don't see where you're getting them down and self-employed. What I am for is advocating for employees and advocating for lower-paid workers. You say that someone shouldn't dock pay for turning up late a few days. Like, of course they shouldn't. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to advocate for employees here. And, and those on lower-paid hospitality and retail, expect, especially, get penalized for not having an additional holiday. There's nothing wrong with having another public holiday. Of course employers are going to be against it. They were against the St. Bridges public holiday back in February. That was brought in but that was brought in and look how important it is and we've seen statistics over the years that show how much bank holiday bank holidays actually bring to the economy because you have more people out in hospitality and retail you have more people in leisure people who, who have more time to spend and more money to spend so it's a case of giving people a proper day off because most people actually aren't aware that it's not really a public holiday even just since we re- announced this a lot of people are constantly saying i didn't know it was a public holiday anyway but you have the banks closed, you have libraries closed, you have public sector agencies closed, and post offices I think open till one. So why not just regularise it across the economy and, and ensure that everyone is on the same playing field?
3: Comment here from Anna. It says most people working would love another bank holiday. Hope she says she hopes that Labour's proposals will go through. That comes from Anna. What are you going to do, um, Peter, to try and push this along? Well, we've written to
2: the CIO. Uh, sent to Marie Sherlock who proposed the idea. Uh, we'll be writing to the seashock and, and, and hoping the government accepts this going forward, like they did with Bridges Day, that next year we can make Good Friday a public bank holiday. Uh, and that would ensure then that we have a four-day bank holiday coming in around Easter, which is, you know, it's not just an important time in, a Christian, in the Christian faith, you know, it's an important time in our nation's history, you know, leading into Easter bank holiday Monday. And it's right that we give time off. Uh, to all workers or additional pay if workers have to work. So it's an important time. So we're going to be pushing the government on this. Unfortunately, it's not up to us. We're not in government. It's up to the government of the day to introduce this bank holiday, this public holiday, that will bring us in line with our European neighbours. So hopefully, you know, the Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Green Party Coalition will will hear what your texts have sent in and what other people have been saying on this and, uh, and, and, and bring in a, it in as a public holiday.
3: Peter, Peter, realistically, how strong do you think your chances are of this happening?
2: Well, I, there is a move. There has been a move since the introduction of the Bridges Day Bank Holiday. There is a conversation of the need for additional bank holidays. And we are always trying to make sure that we're keeping in line with our European neighbours. And if our European neighbours have an average of 13 days and we're at 10, which includes a British bank holiday, then, like, let's see the colour of your money. Let's put let's put another bank holiday and let's get us up to those 13 bank holidays. There's was, no reason why we can't I was just going to say,
3: OK, we have 10. And if you were successful in achieving a bank holiday for a, for, for a good Friday, will you be stepping up your campaign even further than after that?
2: Well, I'm sure there's other months of the year that, that need a bank holiday as well. I, I, I would be in favour of having a bank holiday, uh, you know, for every month of the year, personally. You know, we're near enough to it. But if we could have a bank holiday for every month of the year, I think that would... And then you'd have two in April. That would bring us up to the 13.
3: What do you think it would do for workers' morale if they had an extra day?
2: I think, I mean... We've seen this global push towards a four-day week, and and the reason why I mentioned that is because the 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 data and the research underpinning that shows that those workers who get you know additional time off tend to be more productive. So business leaders will always say, "No, we can't give any more time off. No, we can't give another two days." But the research actually shows that the more time off you give, the more productive your workers are. So I would hope that it would. Uh, give a boost to workers morale to say like well we have additional days off now that we can plan for that we can plan for family events that we can plan for days away or weekends weekends away if you're if you're annually below this and for employers it should actually result in more productivity for them because people will be working a happy workforce is, is is a productive, productive work workforce
3: okay okay all right uh, uh, peter i know you're labour party representative uh, are you working yourself do you wor- uh, what line of work are you in
2: I'm a parliamentary assistant for Sean Sherlock.
3: Oh yes, yes. Okay, okay. And you're working hard around the clock, then, with the politicians, are you?
2: My my job isn't exactly nine to five, so yeah, we're working we're working all the time, and we're you know our big thing at the moment is dealing with the eviction ban in Cork City and County, and people who are contacting us on that. So you know, whilst the constituency office might be closed for for a public holiday. Uh, On Mondays, the emails are still open, the phone calls are still open, they still happen, uh, and that's kind of a 24-7 job.
3: All right. Listen, Peter, thank you very much indeed for taking the call. That's Peter Horgan, local Labour representative, uh, campaigning now with his colleagues in the Labour Party to make Good Friday a bank holiday. We were speaking with Shelley a while ago, who was looking to track down a good Samaritan, but uh, we had a call to say that uh, Shelley's little girl, Ellie, Ellie herself is a bit of a good Samaritan even though she's not uh, in the best of health at the moment but we're being told that Ellie some time ago found a purse containing 100 euro and she gave it to her mum who then handed it in to the boss in Costa Coffee on the Grand Parade he said Ellie was an amazing little girl, she was a very very good girl and the next time she's calls in that there's going to be a big big surprise for her so uh, thank you indeed to the boss at Costa Coffee in the Grand Parade now on the subject of um, Piper's Funfair, Andrew Carroll, was on. He says, people are quick enough these days to set up a, go, a GoFundMe account. I don't see why not the people of Cork should set up a GoFairMe fund for Piper's for the bond and may do something good with all the money. After all, we owe it to them. We could all go to the fun fair Me, All right, that's uh, Andrew Carroll. So hopefully uh, Piper's will get themselves sorted out. Now... Down on Douglas Street, here in the city centre, there's a room where you can be locked into for 60 minutes. And your job is to get out of there with a few hints. Quiva, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Tell me a little bit about this room. It's called No Escape.
8: Yes. Uh, so uh, we are, as you said, on Douglas Street and we have three rooms. So depending on each of the rooms, they have a theme and you come into us, you go into the room, there's many puzzles to solve and you know, if you need a little bit of help, that's where I come in and we communicate with you, uh, just, just a little hint, nothing to uh, giving away all the answers, but uh, you eventually complete all the puzzles and you manage to escape the rooms.
3: And are, are there puzzles, are there keys that you've got to sort out or is it, a, you know, what what else is there to try and get you out of the room?
8: So we have a mass variety of different kinds of things. So, yeah, some of the puzzles do involve keys. Other ones are kind of things that we have made ourselves. Uh, there's boxes. Uh, there's a lot, we have a lot of interactive puzzles. So even just kind of visual things in the rooms, uh, it's great for all ages and all kinds of experience.
3: I was just going to say, I mean, I, I know there's something like this on television and I can't think of the name of, of the program, but um, the, the No Escape Room in Douglas Street, how long are you there and how is it going?
8: Uh, we've been there since 2017. Oh. Um, of course, you know yourself, uh, there's a little gap of time there that we're yeah. not going to talk about. But, uh, yeah, we done up the place we now have the three rooms we're especially busy uh this time of the year you know with all the kids off from school and coming into the summer you know we'll have a lot of different things going on and uh the rooms will be open from wednesday to sunday
3: and as you said a lot of fun for the kids i suppose it's a good uh, team uh, bonding exercise as well for companies would it
8: yeah, so we often have a lot of birthday parties. We have uh, groups who come in from companies, hen parties. Uh, we especially had a lot of Christmas parties at Christmas. Just kind of something different to do than just, you know, going out, you know.
3: Very good. No, your job is to give them hints to get out of the room, but you're in a little bit of a predicament at the moment. You're hoping to solve a problem that you've encountered. What are you looking for?
8: So, at the moment, we are looking for a new staff member. Uh, We are looking for somebody who has a lot of personality, who is able to really engage with our customers who come in, um, have a lot of passion for what they do, and and it's very different to any job. My background was retail, so coming into this job, it was kind of a bit a bit of a fresh air. Breath of fresh fresh air, sorry, and very different.
3: So you're looking for, I suppose, a game master? Yes. Would this be kind of like a a ringmaster in a circus kind of person? with a whip?
8: (laughs) Honestly, yeah, kind of. Yeah, you know, you come in, you welcome the guests, you uh, pretty much like that's my day-to-day, you welcome people, generally explain what an escape room is, you know answer any questions especially we have a lot of people who come in who have never tried an escape room before so we want the experience to be as enjoyable but the main thing uh that main part of my job is for people to have fun
3: and have you advertised for this game master already
8: uh yes we have advertisements on indeed at the moment
3: all right and tell me this have you had much response and that's why you're talking to us What, what what's the response like
8: We've had a lot of responses. Um, a lot of people, you know, sending in CVs and just kind of talking to people to see where they're at. A lot of people, when they are scrolling through Indeed, you know, you see the same thing over and over. But to see Game Master pop up, you're like, hmm, OK. So a lot of people, a lot of curiosity. It's certainly very
3: quirky and very unusual. I mean, and do you have a uniform? Will this person have a uniform with a top hat or whatever the case would be?
8: <laughs> no, we're pretty casual. It's pretty much you come as yourself and you're here just to give provide a, a good experience to everyone who comes into our escape rooms.
3: Okay, so give us the specifics again of the, the job. What are you looking for?
8: So we're looking for somebody who is engaging so they can hold the attention of all of our guests and customers who come in. Big personality. Um passionate about the job and a bit of creativity as well personally since I started you know I've often helped to make some new puzzles or expand upon what's already in the rooms okay so there's a lot of room for creativity and if you have your own input it's always something that will give it give a go
3: all right listen Cuiva thanks for talking to us anybody who's interested they can contact you to the at the no escape room and they're in Douglas Street uh can I give out your number here Cuiva Quiva?
8: Uh, yes.
3: It's 85 280 0130. It's 085-280-0130. If you think you'd like to be a game master, um, that job is for you. Quiva Sheehan, thank you very much indeed. And uh, hopefully thank you'll you. find what you're looking for. Thank you. Okay. Enjoy your Easter. Thank you. Now. Uh, just before we wrap things up, I want to talk to somebody who is, uh, doing something very unusual. We've had, uh, the, the quirky job. Now we're heading to, um, North Cork. And just in case you do see somebody coming at you backwards anytime soon, maybe around Kiskeen, Kiskeen, Boherbui, Newmarket, Kanturk, Bantir, Rathcool, you may come across a car that's coming at you backwards because there's a man driving not forwards but he's driving as we'd say in Cork, arseways. Um, Good morning Andy. Good morning Paul, how are you? How are you doing? Andy, you're reversing a car around parts of North Cork. What is going on? Does this car not move forward or something?
17: Oh it doesn't, we'll try to do something different for a change.
3: And what, okay. are you, what are you doing? You're, you're going to reverse this car for a, a, over 70 kilometres around uh, North Cork. What, what's yeah. the story behind it? Well, I uh, lost
17: my brother Nadia in 2011 and for suicide. And I obviously say that I try to do something in aid for suicide for Pieta House. I've been thinking for a good few years of trying to do something. And before Christmas, I came up with this idea. And I put a few plans together with a couple of people and...
3: It took off from there. Um, and wh- when are you going to drive backwards? Uh, Sunday. This I'm
17: leaving th- at twelve o'clock Sunday. Sorry, where, where are you meeting and what time? Uh, Barry Osmond. We'll be, I'll be meeting Bury Village at half eleven and we'll be off at twelve o'clock. And,
3: and have way. you done... Um, you're, you're going to reverse the car for a total of 76 kilometres. Have you done much practice? Uh,
17: not at the moment. I... In my job, I'm reversing most of the day, so I'm, I'm driving a these of shovels from Roadstone, So I've been going backwards a lot of my day, so it's coming natural enough.
3: Okay, but what's the longest distance that you've reversed for in the past? I mean, well, I'd reversed, uh,
17: truck, i reversed a truck as well. Couple times, do two or three kilometres roads, Yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: and tell me this. What are people saying to you? That uh, Obviously, it's a great cause. Michael was your brother-in-law. He passed that's away right. in 2011. Um, right. That took a lot out of all of you? Not in the course, yeah. At the time, it did the course. Uh, so many people affected by suicide, really, yeah. isn't it? That's it. That's it.
17: Look, if we can raise enough money to maybe help someone else. It's really good, good going.
3: And um, all proceeds from this are going to wi- what uh, charity, Michael? Uh, Peter, Peter House. Started. Lovely, lovely yeah. stuff. Very good. Um, and, and what? What are you actually driving? What are you reversing? Is it a truck, or van, a car? No,
17: what a is car, an SUV, car to be fully electric. An but, electric car. Yeah, electric car. Yeah.
3: So not only they'll see you coming backwards, but they first of all they won't hear you, and then they'll yeah. see you. <laughs> oh,
17: I'll have someone in front of you, someone behind me, so they'll be protecting me. So they will.
3: And, and the roads themselves that you'll be um, reversing um, have they have they are they bad? You know, are there a lot of bends?
17: I was there, but I've been travelling with 30 years, so I know I'm back, back to front of the man. <laughs> I know I'm inside out.
3: And wh- how did you actually come up with this idea? Um, like
17: I said, I was out trying to think of something, and I don't know, I, I was just one day thinking you're doing something different, and I just thought of this, and I said, look, I said it's my wife Eileen, and she said it be a good idea. So we kind of put a pen together and it took off. Uh,
3: any idea what kind of money you'd like to raise? Um, I'm after getting about eight and a half thousand at the moment.
17: Oh, wow. So, look, I'm hoping to reach the 10th before the weekend and if it goes over, it a
3: bonus. Fantastic. And okay. if somebody, you know, say somebody doesn't, they're not able to get down to North Cork, uh, how can they help to make a donation? Well,
17: you can go on there, on um, Facebook there on Andy reverse Car Run.
3: Right, and I donate, I I donate. I
17: as well. Oh, yeah, and there'll be a Q, QR code on that They can scan it if want. Very good.
3: All right, so watch out for Andy Moynihan. He's driving uh, backwards. He's reversing for 76 kilometres, and it's all starting in Ballydesmond Village this Sunday at 11 bells. Am I right? That's right,
17: that's right, Paula. Yeah. And Paul, before I go, can I just say a few things? You can. Can I just say thanks to my wife? She's doing after lot work down the scene here, and my daughter, Laura, and my daughter, Leah. And I have a couple of great people with me. Ella Sullivan, Janet Burke, Eamon Murphy, Joe Burston, and Sean Sullivan. They've been very helpful to me the last couple of weeks get here to organized. And I'd like to say especially thanks to the man that's sponsoring the cast, Connie Tarns E-Tarns and sons in Bentia. Don't be done only for them.
3: Very good. All right. Andy, congratulations. Wishing you the very best of luck. You're a brave man. 76 kilometres, Bally Desmond, Sunday, 11 o'clock, and all in aid of Pieta House. Andy, enjoy your Easter eggs after the drive. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the call. Very good. Good morning. Bye bye. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we're back tomorrow. PJ is off for um what could be a bank holiday in a couple of years time to come. Today the show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fargle Barry, and thank you to Wayne Hilton on the desk today. I'll see you again tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. God bless.
1: Courts
2: ninety-six FM